0: Everybody, welcome
1: to another Wednesday night. (laughs) We're gonna do the weave, okay? Cool. (laughs) Got to start off with that, right? Yeah. Uh, Much respect, everybody. I'm so glad to see you all here. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing the stream with people that you know that might like it. And we are gonna be diving in again on the Astro Herbalism series. Maybe my favorite uh, sign (laughs) is my sun sign, Aries. Although I'm pretty partial to Leo too. So Aries is quite a phenomenal, super extra special sign to talk about because, at least in my opinion, the vernal equinox upon which it falls or begins, I should say, <laughs> springs, not falls, happens to also be the greatest explosion of life force energy that we see in the realm in a, in the cyclical increase and decline of life uh, as you know the year goes through so it's a particularly powerful time in fact it's maybe the most miraculous part of the year if you ask any of the keepers of the ancient mystery traditions it, you might have even needed to do some kind of rituals or sacrifices to make sure that that vernal equinox does happen properly so we won't be doing that other than you know continuing our ritual of talking about herbs in the appropriate sign as they correspond in the doctrine of signatures we've got Kyle from Typica New Herbs here. Gabe's the Slickest Dissident. Mario from Symbolic Studies. And Michelle Lundquist of Michelle's Healing Home. So the gang's all here. <laughs> the Fab Five, if you will. And uh, I'm, really excited to, I'm really excited to dive in, man. And also, a lot of gratitude for getting to hang out with Kyle and family yesterday and the day before. That was a really, really lovely meeting. Thank you for the visits, buddy.
2: Yeah, man. Thank you for being such a generous host. And... You know, Chance, you're just as you're just as wonderful and you're double wonderful in real life. So, I hope that uh, everyone that loves you gets the chance to meet you. So, yeah. Well, was, I'm
1: like, I'm looking to hire a volunteer <laughs> so not really hire, but I need an event coordinator. Let's get some real life meetups going. Who wants to help us make that happen?
2: Let me know. No, man, it's it's just cool to be in the flow though and just, you know, do it like old school, like real life, you know? It's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. What did you think of uh, Missouri after the vernal equinox? It's probably quite a bit different than where you're at.
2: Yeah, as soon as we crossed the Mississippi River, like immediately crossing the Mississippi River, everything was so much greener and there was just a feeling in the air that was like spring Spring was here. So Wow,
1: so you could tell the difference from one side of the river to the other?
2: Yeah, definitely. That is
1: kind of trippy, man. I feel like there's untapped gravy in rivers as natural boundaries between ecosystems.
2: I, I never thought about it until just this trip and how, how much that made, how much that makes sense to me. So yeah, it was cool. And it's just, it was nice. I saw, saw some flowers and, you know, I got to shed some layers and pulled some ticks off of me and spring's here.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. We have a lot of bugs. Don't let yeah. that stop you. If you're coming to visit or move here though, anybody out there. No, just go. So, light. uh, Mario, Michelle, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> really enjoyed your Good. stream on Michelle's show last night. Also, Aries, you know, in some ways going to continue that.
3: Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, Mario's frozen. Um, Yeah, thank you. It was so fun. I mean, I learned a lot. I've been my mind has been reeling ever since it. And Mario and I've been talking about it throughout the day as well. So I'm looking forward to wrapping up the rest of the plants with Joshua on Friday on Mario's totally, stream. Totally.
4: And, yeah, no, that was really know, fun. I,
3: I actually foresee, you know, maybe another couple more episodes, um, going through these plants, you know, because it's a hefty list of plants that are, um, in the Bible. And so it'd be cool to maybe, you know, uh, keep the train going with that, um, with that show and see where it goes.
0: How's it going over there? Slick. Doing wonderful,
5: man. You know, uh, I wanna I wanna compliment Mario and Michelle. You guys have been at it. You guys have been so busy putting out so much. I'm just I love the uh I missed last night's show, but I have been catching you guys' last Thursdays and we have a real good time over there. So I totally encourage anybody who's missing out on it, come join the fun. We have we have awesome, awesome Thursday weaves. It's Is good. Is that time. new since
1: the last herb vibrant?
3: Uh maybe we yes. did
1: one or something like that. Maybe we had
3: one. Maybe. But yeah. So every
4: Thursday on Michelle's channel, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific. So it is. It's a good time. And so we appreciate you being there. And uh, we have we've had some really fun weaves. It's very casual. We interact with the chat quite a bit and stuff. So, yeah, looking forward to that, too.
3: Yeah. Thanks, Lick. We have been we've just been I just my mantra has just been keep going keep going, keep going, (laughs) you know, like you just, you can't, you have to keep going. And so uh, it's just been a really nice uh, flow that we're finding. And yeah. So thank you. We appreciate it. And we are happy to be here too. It's awesome. So nice, good things are flowing and happening.
1: Very, very, very much. So is anybody else noticing? I mean, I feel like I noticed every year, but have, have any of you had any things happen in your life that reflect in maybe more of a metaphorical or symbolic way how the uh, like increased energy availability in nature is hitting right now for me it showed up in the form of getting the Aquacure from george Wiseman. Mm. so <laughs> i had like a lot of extra energy from that it's been quite remarkable
4: yeah i would say so over here too um In the form of financial abundance, I would say that's been very interesting. And just, you know, obviously spring is a very uh, abundant time of year. And so um, I wish the weather would uh, turn a little bit sooner for us. I'm kind of, you know, I'm having uh, the sort of just the seasonal effects of a long winter, basically. And so I can't wait for that. But no, I feel like there has been an extra energetic sort of jolt. Um, in terms of prosperity that way so that's been really cool to acknowledge and see for sure well, it's like 72 degrees here and there's
1: a lot of room so you ever decide <laughs> to move? nice nice
0: yep.
5: yeah you know it, make, it makes me think a little bit of like the groundhog's day where they sit you know whatever that's all about uh but it's almost like if it does take a little longer for this for that change to kick in it's like drawing the bow even further back and you get that much more oomph when it lets go. And that's what I've been feeling in terms of just like, you know, getting rewards for tuning into the cycles. Like I'm getting hit hard and fast at the epiphanies and the revelations and the, the, the truth of the realm that we're
2: in is like really got a strong current this year. I totally agree. Yeah. Lots of abundance. I'm feeling it big time too. Like I got, an on online class that we got going on. There's some interverse people in it. We got an in-person class that just started. I have a podcast that I just started that Mario's making a logo for. So we're working together. We got uh it's called Root Radical, by the way. We got a bunch of property down in Missouri, which is uh, far away from home. There's just a lot of a lot of projects and a lot of attention. Got a one-year-old son who is all over the place. And um not only that, but there's room for more. I just feel like I can. Uh, I just feel like everything is crushable right now. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's a great term. That's a great term. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh,
5: one of my little projects, uh, uh, Danunaki Dan, has invited me to do a little bit of writing from their next comic. Uh, so yeah. So that's a little seed I'm putting in the ground, and uh, I'm having a real good time with it. So yeah, all kinds of all kinds of creativity on the flow.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I await hearing more about that. That sounds fun. All right, let's kick it off then. I think that, uh,
1: you know, people are showing up. We got a lot of excellent names in the chat. Let's talk about Aries, man. I know Mario's got a couple of traditional Aries attributed cards here. Uh, I think that there may be a lot to say about the tarot aspects in terms of
4: this particular herbalism series. So let's dive in. Yeah, sure thing. And I would love to know what you guys think. Obviously, very important card, super significant, lots of sneaky symbolism um, that I got into last week. I did a whole breakdown of uh, the emperor card. I went through all of my cards from like, Cards that are current and modern day to a lot of cards that are from the 15th century. So it was very, very interesting. I started at the newest cards and went all the way back. And, um, you know, the first thing that I just have to point out is on the Rider weight version, does the emperor not look like he's supposed to be the central mountain, right? Uh, a, a world mountain, Mount Maru. So there's the stability that comes with the mountain. Um, and then that's a lot of what the emperor to me in his best aspects represents, you know, the stability, this order, And uh, the world axis, too, to me, that's what I've been talking about is how it brings order to the cosmos. And um, I think that the emperor, too, because he's related to the number four, he's just related to, you know, this strong sort of foundation. Right. Um, Everything implies, you know, this headstrong sort of um, attitude, you know, how that relates to the ram is very clear with its horns and everything else, uh, very fiery, um, lots of things kind of going on with, um, I kind of got into some of his leg symbolism and how his legs are, uh, oftentimes they're crossed. I think of literally the cross, which reminds me again of the number four, um, April is the uh, fourth month of the year, right? So there's that four again. And then um, what they were saying, apparently in the uh, in the Crowley duck on the left there, that he's actually supposed to be the symbol for sulfur. And so his legs being crossed is that cross. And then there's that triangle above that his body is making. Um, a lot of things relating to the sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb, him being that sacrificial lamb, Christ being the lamb of God, you know, and then Jesus being crucified, you know, during this time of year. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot to be said about all of that stuff. Um, but, yeah, what do you what do you guys pick up from it? There's there's so many different tangents we can go. And I, I talked about it for like two and a half hours the other day. But I would love to know what you guys are seeing.
0: I got I got so much to say I got
5: I got to hold myself back a little. I love the sulfur thing, man. I absolutely love the sulfur thing. Um, because uh and I see it. I totally see it. Sulfur is a generally a triangle with a little T cross underneath it is the alchemical symbol for sulfur. And uh, the his legs there make that T. But the triangle on the top of sulfur is a delta and delta is number four. It's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's funny that a triangle, a three-sided shape, makes the symbol for four, uh, which is the trivium and the quadrivium. But sulfur is on the tail end of the a uh, sacred trinity for me. Uh, it, alchemically, there's the salt, the mercury, and the sulfur. And when you put the three alchemical symbols For salt, mercury, and sulfur in that order exactly, it almost spells uh, capital G. O is the mercury sign, and D is the delta. So even the word God is encoded into the alchemical arrangement of salt, sulfur, and mercury. So to have him being the tail end of that, the triangle at the end of the G O D of the salt, sulfur, mercury trinity. Is awesome, and I'll just shut up and pass the pass the talking stick. And I'll come back in on the tail end.
1: <laughs> well, there's there's so much to talk about with just the emperor in particular, and I feel like we could uh, have a lot of would like to expand on. But the symbolism of the ram and how that pertains to fire and also to sacrifice is fascinating. So, first of all, we can you know we, we wouldn't normally necessarily think of jupiter as in the planet jupiter as corresponding to the emperor it's typically more considered a martian or whatever ruled by mars right but jupiter in the ancient days <laughs> he was they called him jupiter amon you know he had ram's horns this is more in him in his role as the top god rather than as being a planet per se and i think that's part of a big series of misconceptions that have come about from the outer planet or the planets, the wandering luminaries being named after deities who previously those planets had their own names that weren't necessarily attributed to deity. I have to look up what Mars was called previously. I could probably find that, but anyway, so if Jupiter Amon always symbolized with the Ram <laughs> horns or not always, but often uh they would put uh the Ram in the Jupiter statue somewhere. And then you have all of this uh, correspondence between the lamb and the sacrifice, a.k.a. the fire. So in the Romish religion, you've got Agnius Dei, which is the lamb of God, symbolized as the sacrificial, you know, Jesus Christ, the (laughs) sacrifice for everybody. And then you have the fire god of India called Agni, Right. And Agni has a, a ram as well, rides a ram. You've got Thor riding a chariot pulled by rams. You have the word in Latin, igni, which is basically the same word as agni. So I think whenever we're talking about igni or agni or Agnes, <laughs> we're talking, to, and interesting too, Agnes being an anagram for Angus, which is like, you know, we're getting more into beef right there. But all of that's in the mix. And then the fact that the the sun, or the year is born at this time. And born is basically the same word as burn, (laughs) burn, born. And then barn too, or, you know, you keep your, maybe you keep your animals in a barn. So there's just some thoughts I have on
4: it. Excellent. No, no, I love that for sure. And you're spot on with the Jupiter connection, obviously. Um, And I even have a couple of decks that make that correspondence with Jupiter and not necessarily Mars, which I think is interesting um, also with Jupiter, you've got the Jupiter glyph that looks like a four. So there's that four again, right? And then Jupiter's known for being more, there's some orangey, reddish, you know, colors on Jupiter as well. So even just the color matches, right? That red spot that Jupiter has. And so, um, so there's all of that. And then it does make sense though, the Mars connection for all sorts of different reasons. Um, even the fact that Mars, right, that's an anagram for RAMs. Uh, I pointed out in my presentation that there 's pure ramids right Ram is right in the middle of pyramid, and i 'm inclined to think that pyramids basically um I just they have to be influenced by mountains. So the first pyramids must have been influenced by this concept of mountains or world mountains or things like that. So in a way, that emperor on the right hand side, you know, he's emblematic or symbolic of a ramid, you know, and rams are known for their uh, climbing abilities and ascending. You know, they live at high elevations. And so there's all sorts of different implications you can make with that. Um, but, yeah, no, the Jupiter connection definitely is strong, I would say, too. You know, another thing about air, like
1: corresponding the major arcana cards to zodiacal signs that I personally like, although I wouldn't be able to explain why he does this. So I kind of wanted to ask you guys to see if maybe we could reason it out ourselves, if there's a logic to it. But I learned the, the, I first learned the symbolism of tarot from Michael Tessarion. And he's got an incredible series on it, the Path of the Fool series. I know Mario (laughs) is no stranger to Michael's work, probably also very influential at a a certain point. And anyway, Tesserion doesn't correspond just to the Emperor with Ares. But actually, he puts the first four, if you count the Fool as one of the, uh, the first card and not the last. He puts the first four as correspondent to the Spring Equinox, the Vernal Equinox. And so anyway, that would be the, uh, the fool, the magician, the high priestess. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Is the fool? I'm looking at this. Yeah. He puts it at a spring for the fool, maybe not the spring equinox. Yeah. He does. Okay. So he's saying the fool, the magician, the, the high priestess, the empress and the emperor. So actually, I can't count. That's the first five. <laughs> and then he also corresponds. The sun card to the vernal equinox, the aeon or judgment card and the world universe card. So the first three and the last or the first five and the last three, I find that very interesting. First of all, it does make sense because if you do it that way and then the following card after the emperor being the hierophant getting put to Taurus and the lovers then being Gemini, it does kind of make the tarot flow through the zodiac in a way that seems sensible. Right. But also I think that there's so much going on with the vernal equinox in terms of its importance and that the God of the, you know, the God, the God that was really the the one that most mattered to the people, if you will, the, the savior deity, the top ruler, deity, son of God thing, being reborn at the vernal equinox kind of makes this whole thing kind of makes me think of how, In many, many cultures, the first most important primary God also has like eight aspects, eight elements that he like subdivides into. And a lot of times that is actually a grouping of five and a grouping of three. So even more so that sort of fits. What do you guys think of Aries correspondence to maybe not Aries per se, but the vernal equinox
0: correspondence to uh, the first five and the last three majors? Yeah, and, uh, to be honest, I'd have to
4: give that a little bit more thought. But off the top of my head, I was just writing down the list. Um, it is very interesting, and I could see where he's coming from with all of that. And uh, it's been a while since I've as- absorbed his tarot work or whatever, but uh, you might inspire me to revisit it because I can absolutely see what you're saying there. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm like yeah. wondering, I wish I could remembered more of the reasoning he gave for that.
5: Right, right. You know, it kind of corresponds with how Ovid did the, uh, his FASTI poem. He only laid out uh, six uh, stories. It's a six-part poem, uh, and people say it's incomplete, and they say that the rest of it is missing, and some people tried to fabricate the rest of it, but they know it was fake because there was no rest of it. The rest of it is hidden inside of the six that he, that he uh, made public, and it's, you have to cipher out the rest of the, of the code, and it corresponds with that sequence you just laid out. The uh, Tzarion uh, uh, correlates. It's it's like it's a. You think you're only getting half of it going from the you know from the winter into the spring, uh, but in fact the other half is encoded. It's embedded within, and you have to unpack it to get the other half
0: of it.
1: It also makes me think of how if Aries is the head, then if you have these eight majors that really cover a lot of bases in terms of human expression. (laughs) Then maybe like those eight going with the vernal equinox or the head is kind of saying how there's a entire world outside of you. And then there's an entire world inside your head.
0: Mm, Yeah.
2: Private public. It makes me think too of, you know, areas is the time of year where you're sewing And, uh, so some of these cards, like if I'm just can recall correctly, like the, the high priestess or, or maybe even the empress, the empress is depicted with like, what looks like late autumn, you know, almost like Virgo, like grasses. And so there's the, the picture of what you want to sow. You want to sow this, uh, this fertileness, right? And, and, uh, the, the re- yeah. So there we go. So that looks like that looks like a late summer scene to me. Right. Right there. Um, the grass is, you know, has lost its chlorophyll, but it's ready to be harvested and there's a baby on the way and yada, yada. Um, so picturing again with within your head, picturing what you want. And then the this also this idea of the retroactive causality of nature being in part there at the time we need it for the things that we need at the time that we need it. And are we are we guiding this process like with intention or is it going to happen anyway? And there's this uh, current of what we want that's just in our subconscious and it and it's always there. Like with the other day when we were talking, um, we were, you mentioned that like this really is the realm of you get what you want. And if you become aware of that, like, then you can really think about if what you want is this stream or this river that's going to be moving through time, what, you know, like protecting that stream, making sure no pollution or mud gets in there, really like uh, keeping your thoughts really clear at that stream, but also no matter what that stream is going to move and there's going to be that, that exchange of what we want manifesting either you know, in some direction, (laughs) whether it's, uh, it appears to be forward in time, but it might actually have, uh, have the seeds that have been planted long ago. And it's just there at the, at the time. So that's why it makes sense to me in a, in a poetic way, how you can, how you can see the end of the, of the deck also at the beginning. And what appears to me at like later in the year at the beginning, not, not necessarily because that, that card is a card of the, of the spring, but it's it's a card that I vision my my garden to be at the spring. It's a card that I I vision my field to be like at the at the end of the year, that kind of thing. So within the head, yeah, always within the head, and it's the ram, right? We're it's, we're ramming. There's the there's um there's a lot of energy with within the head. Um, there's also this This the another fun thing that I was thinking about because I was thinking about I was listening to Gabe's some of his work recently, and he was talking about uh, indentured servitude. And my last name is Denton. So I was thinking about, hmm, does that mean, like, I'm not indent, I'm dent. (laughs) Does that make me free? I was just thinking about this. And then I started thinking about the word dent and rams and how they make dents. And there's this I am of Aries and dent, like identify. And I just got kind of fun in my mind thinking about how, you know, if you want to really identify something, you might uh, pick up a muffin and, and lick it. But if you really want to identify it, you take a bite out of it and you, need, you know that that's yours. So it's dental. I found out that uh, this week, I found out in this, uh, this week that Kyle it?
1: likes to lick rocks. He likes to pick <laughs> rocks up off the ground and lick them. You know, that's how he gets
4: to know them.
2: That's true. Uh, I do. I really like to lick rocks. I like
4: he looks do. like a rock licker,
5: honestly. I've thought that before. <laughs> I that's how you. That's how you claim territory, right there.
2: Yeah, it doesn't seem weird to me at all. It's just natural. It's funny.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, we have slick dissident, and we have lick incident.
2: Identified. Dent, dent, uh, lick identified.
0: Lick <laughs> identified. <laughs> that's great. <laughs>
4: Nice. Well, um, a couple things that I'm thinking about with Aries and it's fun to chew on a sign for a while. Cause then just new things come to light. Um, basically the toroidal nature of the Aries glyph, which you have right there, you know, it just reminds me of the energy coming out from a sacred center from the center the world. Right. And, um, that is my alarm going off. I have to stop because it's so loud. Excuse me.
5: One second. Everybody's looking at it. Is that me? <laughs> you know. Uh, this is the little gem that I picked up from Mario's weave on the emperor earlier. I think that was last week or just maybe a week ago. Uh, the, the emperor always has the legs in the shape of a four, which means so many things. Obviously it's the fourth card, but they also, like you were saying, Chance about in your head, uh, you know, the Rams are always, they're looking forward. That's the nature of a Ram is to take things head on. The goat, the goat is kind of side glance. It's got a, it's, it'll wait till you're not looking to attack. It'll, it'll play a passive role. And when you turn your back, the goat will, will buck you off a cliff. Uh, but I'm thinking about forethought, foresight, forgiving, format, forever young, all of the things for are beautifully encoded in the, in that four of the legs. But go go ahead, Mario. I was just filling in the space for
4: you, dude. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, that makes sense with the goat, too, given its pupils. Right. It's horizontal pupils. So that's very, very interesting. And then it's just it's nature in general, for sure. And so, you know, um, other people have said this and everything else, but it really is just fascinating and really intriguing. But the um, the projective nature of the toroidal field And also the fact that the Aries glyph looks like a sprout as well, right? Which is really interesting. And so there's all of that. Um, But the one thing that I just remembered that I did research on uh, a couple of years ago, I think, is the whole idea that there's always, you know, at the beginning of a parade, it's not uncommon to have, I don't even know what their name is, but there is a person in front of the parade that's leading the parade and they always have this like scepter or staff with them. And it's not uncommon for the scepter or staff. There's actually like a universal, my understanding, at least here in the States, a lot of cities have the exact same staff. It's this, it's a staff and it's wrapped with these cords and it reminds me very much of like a world axis sort of thing or even like a caduceus sort of thing. Um, But they are kind of I think they're enacting like a ritualistic sort of thing that's alluding to them being the celestial host the same way Aries is the celestial host. You know, so he's the leader of the Zodiac. So it's because of his, you know, raw cardinal power. You know, he is able to be the uh, the draft animal that pulls the rest of the Zodiac. And so being the first, you know, it's emblematic of being a pioneer and all these other things. But I think when you're seeing a parade, a traditional parade, and there's that first person, you know, leading the parade, they're very much acting kind of like Aries, you know, in a lot of ways. And so um, I think that's partly what's going on um, with all of this stuff. So, yeah, just a couple.
1: Apparently, of I just there. looked into it and they call it a drum. Major, the guy at the front. And it's uh, the drama majors mace is what Ooh. you're looking for.
5: That's interesting. that makes me think of the uh the magi card who's often holding a wand up in the sky, and four is the Kabbalistic one. One plus two plus three plus four gives you the ten that reduces to the one again, which goes back to the magi card.
1: That's kind oh, of funny. And mace, M-A-C-E, is philologically magi. Many languages did not have either a C or a G and they used one for the other. And then, you know, vowels can just swap out willy nilly pretty much. <laughs> vowels, I read somebody that said uh, one of the old philologists that said uh <laughs> vowels are not the bones of a word, merely the filling. <laughs> so M-A-C-E, M-A-G-I, pretty much uh, a valid correspondence there. So Mace and Magi, very interesting.
5: I yeah. see what you did there we <laughs> got
2: ace uh the mar the mars ace so the first one the first the first thing that goes the ace
4: nice yeah yeah totally um i'm reminded of uh the drum of war as well and how uh, there's always marching bands what do soldiers do they march what uh month does aries begin in march march gets the mar from mars itself so yeah there's a lot going on there
1: and then there's that inner, you know, you just put it booster off and on and Mar becomes Ram
0: again.
2: Right. That's and right. if you were exactly. in war and you were in a battle, you would use a a big ass one of those things to to break down the door, you know, and you've got a bunch of people doing it. And it would probably have an Aries glyph or a Ram on the front, just <laughs> yeah. decorative. That's right. The Ram.
1: best place to probably strike somebody with a mace would be the head <laughs> in terms of
5: effectiveness. <laughs> <laughs> For psychological and physical effect.
1: yeah and then you know back to that correspondence of more than just the emperor to aries or the vernal equinox the last three of the majors would be the sun card which is exalted in aries that one makes a lot of sense and then judgment or aeon has this whole vibe of like resurrection which is perfect for the vernal equinox as well and then the world or universe card Putting that there is interesting because it is, you know, symbolically the whole world is reborn in a microcosmic way every year in the same way in the macrocosm you have this idea of a larger regeneration in bigger cycles. All very interesting.
2: It actually makes me think of the, the holy hand grenade that the emperor is holding. So if it wasn't for that, that cardinal point, that cross that's sitting on top, it would just be an, a sphere with infinite amount of points. But now you know, which, which direction is up, you know, where the beginning is. You also know where the, you know, you know, the, the beginning and the end of this instrument based on, uh, that particular point. And so the same thing with the universe card and the, and the fool, those are, you know, the, they can represent the both the infinite amount of sphere and and also the beginning or the termination point of the previous cycle. And in this case, it's a it's it's, it's maybe it's a, a cool navigation tool. Maybe it's something that uh, sucks people's brains out and makes uh, the emperor like a very powerful Riddler guy from the Batman movie. Who knows? <laughs> it does, but it definitely symbolically has those all those representations as well.
4: Totally, totally. <laughs> Makes you start licking rocks.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. After I did my emperor card presentation, I'm like, well, of course, man, if, if this is the globe, which the globe is Krusiger, and then that cross is right there, then obviously where the cross is is literally north. And I've also um, kind of expanded upon the idea that the fleur de lis is a northern symbol. Which uh, on the Crowley card, there's a couple of fleur de lis um, on the floor, and then there's other cards where the emperor is holding like a wand, and there's a fleur de lis, you know, at the end there. And so the fleur de lis in a lot of older compass roses or compasses, it's literally the arrow that denotes north, which
0: I think is interesting. Yeah. The uh. One thing I've corresponded the Emperor card to
5: uh, the Cephas or Cepheus constellation, which is very much shaped like a house. It's kind of shaped like a crooked house. You could say it's like a shack or a manger because it's not it's not perfectly shaped, and he's and it's pointing straight to the North Star man. it's uh right next to Cassiopeia, who I think of as the Empress. They're mm. just side by side there. And then right next to her is a Cameloparditis, which is, uh, it's a giraffe, but it's also a camel. And so you put a shack with a kilter, you put the Cassiopeia Empress in the shack with a camel outside and a special star up above. You got the nativity scene all right there in the spring.
1: Very cool, man. I love that. You know, yeah. I don't want to necessarily open up the can of worms on this. It's kind of outside the scope of our topic tonight, but it is interesting that <clears throat> a certain dawn, you know, a word meaning Lord, <laughs> a certain orange man <laughs> has been set up as a sacrificial lamb right at this vernal equinox time a uh, certain dawn that like a lot of people still are for some reason beyond my ability to imagine even making comparisons to him as a Christ figure <laughs> or in another side, like other people are calling him an antichrist figure. So yeah, I think that the, uh, the, the <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the storms coming thing. We have storms that are really a springtime phenomenon and, yeah. The whole controversy with the porn star whose name is Stormy. It's like I feel like there's just been a big joke played and that the punchline was Storm's coming, Storm's coming. Oh, it's a porn star named Stormy. <laughs> totally.
5: Yeah, they're going to run that program till the wheels fall off, man. That's the plan, no doubt. Totally. <laughs> these,
2: exactly. these guys have beards. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're
1: right. He's no emperor if he doesn't have a beard. <laughs> okay, so we have some element of fire, I like that, because cardinal fire is this time of year. Mm. And right. So this, this case, is just it uh, its own
4: entire show if we got into every detail. No, no, exactly, exactly. So if people want to screenshot it and uh, look at it later, they're uh, they're more than welcome to, obviously. But uh, it's interesting. This, where does this plants, come from, Mario? Can you plug it? Yeah, sure. No, so it's my elemental study packet. So I have one page per element, and then I get into all the signs. As well, and so uh some of the plants right that we're going to be talking about tonight are listed right there um, and you know, I think it's helpful for a few reasons just to see these types of correspondences with fire. so there's the clubs right for the playing cards, obviously tarot suit wands. I associate fire with the mathematical function of multiplication. I think that makes a lot of sense. I almost look at the uh, the x as like two fire sticks that are rubbing together, and then the way that fire multiplies right. Um, so I look at the state of matter as being plasma. Um, most people correspond the salamander as being the elemental. And then, uh, obviously related to Mars and Jupiter right there, right in the sun.
5: Dude, I love that you have the, that you've done, um, mathematical correspondences to the elements. Mm. That is, that's so gratifying for me. Nice. Um, yeah, we, you know, the X being multiplication that, uh, that's just so spot on. Uh, uh, X would be the mutable sign of Pisces, just before we cross cross over the equinox. So many mm. X's going on, and do, just to make sure that we leave no ch- Chad still hanging, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're uh, we're going through the very end of Pegasus which Pegasus, I correspond to the tower card, which is a 16. 16th element is sulfur. So we're at the very tail end of the sulfur Pegasus constellation. And inside of Pegasus is the shackled character, uh, Andromeda. Uh, Earlier, before Andromeda, it was um, uh, uh, Prometheus, it's same character, same same cosmodrama. And so uh right now they just released a couple Perseus or I'm sorry, a couple Prometheus characters from Bondage. And that is uh that bald guy, Andrew Tate, and that other character, uh Jacob Chansley. They just let him out, and they're talking about letting Julian Assange out. And so all of those hitting the headlines at this time of the year uh bringing them springing them from the underworld, right they're being sprung when you take somebody out of prison, you're springing them, and then this equal exchange of taking in the orange man bad is uh is all correspondent um uh, with the scales of justice, which is one eighty on the zodiac, so as we're springing out with the uh with this emperor card we got to keep in mind the Libra on the other side, where the scales of justice and the expressions of justice are going to get fucked with for the sake of the Overton window over time.
0: Brilliant. Love that, dude. With all the,
1: the stone correspondences, I wanted to point out I'm wearing a sunstone right now. I don't know how well you can see it.
3: Oh, nice. That's a nice one.
0: Wow, is a that a
1: bumblebee? Brighter in the...
3: Uh, <laughs> in I like the life. color. Or I get can it on see the it. Has
5: it got a bee in there? No, there's no... There's an opal in here. Oh, I thought I saw a bumblebee. <laughs> that would be cool.
3: <laughs> oh, speaking of bumblebees, random. I totally dug up a hibernating bumblebee when I was Whoa. in the garden last week and i've i've never had that experience i didn't even know that that's their deal but apparently the queen bumblebee will burrow into the dirt and create like a little cocoon area for herself And hibernate through the winter. Um, And anyway, I just dug, I put a, you know, put the shovel in, stuck my foot down on the shovel. And lo and behold, there was a bumblebee queen there. She was kind of moving around and I didn't know what to do because I'm like, oh, it's way too early. But anyway, I kind of like created a new crevice for her. And I guess you can just like cover them up back up with dirt and they'll go back to sleep. And so she she survived the, the, the first night and then I created a very nice area for her by the rose bush And uh, yeah, I think I hopeful I hope she's still there. I hope she survived. But it was really cool. So I had to share that because the bumblebee just nice. like triggered that memory yeah. of just unearthing her and being like, oh, my God, what? <laughs> well, uh,
5: how do you identify a, a queen bee? Does she have a little thing on her back like a mark?
3: I don't, well, the uh, honeybee queens do, but with the bumblebee, I kind of just, after doing research, it sounds like the queens are the ones that do that. Um, But I don't know. I'm not sure if she has like a specific marking. She's really big though. She was pretty big. And that's what I remember when we had our hive, obviously the queens are much bigger. So not sure, but hopefully she survives and she uh, gets to flourish once it gets warmer.
1: (laughs) So one thing Gabby brought up uh, Andrew Tate, (laughs) Andrew Tate, he's a taint. And so I just had to share this from Jim's meme (laughs) bank in case anyone didn't know who you were talking about, (laughs) you know, Aries corresponds to like the head and the face. So if we're talking about inverted Aryan hero figures, definitely. Big time. This is a a dark side character.
5: (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, And, and I mean, even when he came out, he comes out with all this shabbiness. So he's got all this uh, fresh growth. You know, he's like a, he's like, a, he's all covered in moss. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it's pretty apropos. All right. Now
1: the moment everyone's been waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk about some actual plants. Here we go. Take it away. Plant, plants, teachers.
2: Cayenne. Oh man. All right. So Let's, let's start, with the, start with the name and maybe a request here for an Aries cap, because this is very, very satisfying for me when getting, when hitting all these correspondences and then finding extra ones that, yeah, there we go. Thank you, Chance. <laughs> finding all these extra ones that really uh, are like little cherries on, or like little cayennes on top. Um, so here's one of them that I'm talking about is the botanical name of cayenne is cap, which is the head. Um, And there's even um, anuum, which means the year. And so here's the head of the year. And here's another fun thing, too. If you have a pen and a piece of paper in front of you, writing the name anuum is very, very fun in cursive. So A, N, you're going back and forth. It's almost like this. It feels like spring. It's like, am I in spring? Am I in winter? Am I in spring? Am I in Pisces? Am I in winter? Oh, there's a little double dip. Here's another one. Oh, it's, it, it, it feels, it's just a, a fun way of connecting with the, the, the word through your spirit and your handwriting. So, anyway, that's, that's fun. Um, but let's talk about the medicine of cayenne and why it's also, um, I just wanted to plug something I made, like I said, I made this podcast and it's, uh, I have a uh, a free podcast that I'm doing like once a month. It's called Root Radical. And then I'm, I got this other one that's behind a paywall. And it's a class and it's called Herb of the Week. And my first herb of the week was cayenne. It's 52 herbs, one one herb a week for a year. And the idea is that you learn these herbs one at a time and you really focus on a plant every, you know, once a week. And that's all you focus on. You You study this herb, you make tea with it, you cook with it, blah, blah, blah. Then you don't feel so overwhelmed. You can help discipline yourself in your studies and and pace yourself instead of that's that was a, a tip that my first one of my first herb teachers gave me, and I started with cayenne. And there's a there is a, uh, a copy out there of one hour and forty minute lesson of me talking about cayenne, and I'm not going to talk for an hour and forty minutes today, but some of the things that make me think about cayenne for this placement in Aries is its relationship to the top of the head, the sinuses, um, how warming it is. It's one of the most igniting plants that you can take. Um, and the, let's see all the different ways. So if you were to take a tincture or just cook with cayenne, one of the things that happens right away is it dries up your sinuses. So it light, lights up your sinuses, especially this time of year. In the Ayurvedic tradition, it's the kapha time of year. So we're where we got hot we got cold we got wet we got dry we got a lot of mud and earth kind of aspects going on and so a lot of people it can be a manifestation of like mucus going on in the sinus especially like the body not knowing should i hold on to this stuff because is it still winter or can i let go of it yet and there's a lot of tension around the the biological processes of am i in survival mode still or or is is it like okay to like let stuff go and and for areas of the body where there might be tension, that inability to let go manifests as congestion. And so a lot of people get sinus congestion at this time of year. And this is a very heroic herb for sinus congestion. Sure, there's other herbs that are more nutritive. There's herbs that have a, a gentler action. Um but we're in Aries. <laughs> I'm talking about, I dare you to put a, a quarter teaspoon of cayenne into a cup of water and drink it because it's who it makes you, it fires you up. It, it equalizes your, the, uh, the blood in your body as well. So this is a plant that might save your life in a heart attack in a situation. If you have like a heart attack, in fact, uh, Dr. Christopher, who is a very famous herbalist and, Somebody who carried on the tradition of Thompsonian philosophy, which I'll tell you about in a second, he was a, a cardiologist for 30 years. And he said, in all of my 30 years of uh, being a cardiologist, if I could administer cayenne to a patient um, immediately after a heart attack or a stroke that they that none, I never lost one. In all my 30 years of practice. And the reason why is is, amazing. Yeah, it really is. It's a great first aid herb. And and it's literally like a savior, like Aries. (laughs) (laughs) So here's here's why. If you have um if you have uh let's see here, I like to think of it as like if there's a hole in Hoover Dam, there's going to be a lot of congestion of uh water coming out of that area. So if you cut yourself in a particular area and you're bleeding a lot. Um, you, you start to s- you spray a lot of blood. And uh, this is a plant that st- stops bleeding as well. And, and the blood starts to con- congeal or, I'm sorry, like pool up around that area. But what you could do to save Hoover Dam and the valleys below is open up all the auxiliary channels around the lake so that it opens up the, it stimulates the flow of the energy all the way through the body. So it moves ev- all the flow from the core of the body all the way to the periphery. And this is, this is why this plant stops bleeding. It's not because it does have some compounds in it that actually produce like a clotting effect, but it not as much as it has a physiological effect on equalizing the pressure in the body. And so if you have a heart attack or if you have a lot of congestion of a, a fluid in your heart, in your, in your sinuses, or um, a lack of, tension, or lack of pressure moving outwards to your periphery, and having some cayenne can whoo, really jumpstart it. And of course, look at that color! Woo, that that is red. Um, that is as red. That is, I mean, that is the type of cardinal cardinal fire that you want to see. This is a member of the Solanaceae family or the nightshade family, so it's related to you know tomatoes and potatoes and ashwagandha. But um, so a lot of people might find sensitivity to heroic nightshades like this, but it's still one that I will always carry with me in my first aid package whenever I'm going out into the brush or in, or in a place where I might not be able to uh, survive if I'm, you know, severely injured. It's a very excellent first aid. And in fact, uh, right as Aries season was beginning and right before I released this herb of the week, my first one, um, I was cutting something and no, I was uh, picking up a box and inside of the box, there was a bunch of broken glass and I reached in and I cut myself pretty bad. And my reaction was I was at my shop. My reaction was, "Uh, Hey, everybody, my helpers. Hey, quick, give me some cayenne and get me, uh, get a camera. We're going to film this right away. This is going to be a great commercial for my herb of the week. (laughs) I was so happy that I had cut myself because I know I I've done this so many times where I trust, that cayenne can can immediately stop bleeding so you could put a little bit of cayenne powder onto a onto a wound especially if you cut yourself with a knife or something like that let it set uh set there for 60 seconds and and the bleeding is stopped i've saved myself from several stitches in that way um but it also just might save your life in the case of like something like that that's the that's the claim and i and i trust it wholeheartedly in that way too um and uh, I think this plant is very uh, responsible in many ways for the uh, movement of the pioneers in of the Americans across westward. And that's a, a great part, thanks to this uh, American herbalist who was, the, I guess, the original vitalist of, of the American colonies. His name was Samuel Thompson. And Samuel Thompson, who learned from you know, various indigenous people and the wise women around that um, by equalizing the pressure, basically, he, his whole philosophy was, if it's cold, that causes disease. Let's let's bring heat to it. So it's just it made it real simple. Yin Yang, hot cold. That was it. And so his whole his whole thing was heat it up, move out, and 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 dispel any what he called canker, which was the manifestation of uh, coldness into a obstruction. And that, like the word canker, even sounds like, even looks like, you know, C A N K E R. You know, you could replace the, the the K with the C, and you could think about like how obstruction energy uh, can create illness and disease. And his whole thing was like move it out. So he used lobelia, which was a a famous uh, mover. He used cayenne. He was all about sweating and sweat lodges. And there was also this. It was it was late seventeen hundreds. And uh so there was also this puritanical um, movement as well, like you know we're full of sin, we got to sweat it out, this kind of thing too but with by by within twenty years, and when he was still alive, one fifth of the country or uh were were under the influence of thompsonian style medicine, and that's a amazing amount of influence from one person's lifetime, and uh he was like the original like traveling uh moving uh going from town to town snake oil salesman guy but he would sell his he would sell his instead of selling snake oil he was selling his philosophy which was written down um, and he was illiterate but he was able to write it and convey it in an oration as well for other farmers and this resonated um against the pharma of the time which was the big pharma of the time was into bloodletting and mercuriation and basically abominations from Paracelsus, you know, 200, 300 years earlier, Paracelsus was all into these types of things. And that got, you know, um, the, down the line of of history turned into, you know, if you're sick, then we need to poison you. We need to put le- leeches on you and arsenic and all this stuff. And he he saw that as barbaric and went back to the herbs. And this was America's first like real true vitalist and it was all about moving energy moving heat through the body and um just letting letting your body do its thing and cayenne was one of his champions and so i think cayenne is really instrumental for the development of the americas uh, in the in the west because it was your everyday you know joe farmer guys herb um, that they would use for for any form of illness and i love cayenne for I love it. I love it for so many things. I will drink uh, a cayenne for a headache. I think it makes a headache go away really quick. It's great for a hangover. It's great for anything that need you need to equalize your blood or to- it tunes your your voice really well too. So I have some people coming into my shop for um that are some pretty famous singers that are looking for my special my special drops and it's simply cayenne tincture. That's it. Um, so it's pretty cool having some touring musicians come in and look for my special drops. At, yeah. So like I said, uh hour, and 40 minutes, I can, I can stop there and see what, see what y'all think about Cayenne. But, um, and uh, just, yeah,
0: yeah, there we go.
1: And what an incredible amount of knowledge you have to be able to share so much just about Cayenne and you're holding back. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I have had success in my life, when I had more allergies than I currently have using like a turmeric, ginger, um, what I maybe a couple other things in there, like oregano with cayenne sprinkled on it. And the cayenne definitely gives you the most oomph out of that. Actually. And by the way, the whole story you told about <laughs> cutting yourself and then being more excited, uh, than upset, you know, so that you could document. <laughs> I want to see the resultant video clip. Uh, okay, I'll send, I'll send
2: it. I'll send it here. <laughs>
1: that sounds great. But yeah, there was a question uh, from Logan in the chat about maybe what you would recommend in regards to allergies, and cayenne's definitely on that list. I would also like. To offer the allergiesy nose sneezy tincture <laughs> that you carry at com and yeah. use the coupon code interverse. This one's got goldenrod, reishi, nettle, elderberry, and elderflower. I really enjoy this one. If I ever do start to feel a bit sniffly, but you know, in terms of the que- the question of how to deal with allergies, I don't know how I did it, but I used to have the most horrendous allergies to everything in nature and all I can figure is I reduced my diet down to just plants for a while. I did a lot of work on myself with detox and internal cleansing. I got a lot of energy field upgrades with tuning forks. And then one day I was just like, I wonder if dairy is going to give me allergies to everything like it used to. Cause it was dairy that would set it all off and make all the pollen aggravate me as well. And I don't know what, aspect of all those changes that I made affected things, but now I don't have that problem, so anyway, allergiesy knows it's sneezy it doesn't have cayenne in it, <laughs> but if you took that in cayenne, that'd probably be a good start
2: yeah allergies are pretty complicated because you know they're different for everyone and there's uh, with every manifestation of a physical thing we also have emotional we have some spiritual mm-hmm. things to consider and I think that if you want to consider a um, I need to clear out my sinuses and I'll think about that stuff later. Give me something, give me your strongest shit, heroic stuff right now. Um, you could think about this Thompsonian pursuit of, of vitalism where you're drying it out without any regard for, you know, how, <laughs> how our tissues like to also be damp or the reason why they're filling up with mucus or, or that type of stuff. And, you know, uh, have at least, uh, a comfortable amount of reset so that you can maybe that's what I think about, you know, herbs can be, can work in these allopathic ways. And I don't think Samuel Thompson was working in an allopathic way. I think he was working in a deeply um, holistic way with people, but they can be, uh, it it can be a matter of many things. So um, we have a lot of, uh, I mean, I know Michelle has a lot of ideas about this too, but I like, I like herbs like nettle, which I Michelle and I were back and forth on. I, I don't know if that's in the presentation or not, but um, nettle is a great one for the allergies as well. Um, I've heard Michelle talk about reishi. Um, I love goldenrod. I love elderberry and elderflower. I like those types of things because they change how, the nature of how your body produces and works with different proteins. Um, and the way that I like to think of it, especially for herbs like nettles, is that um, in the springtime, our, we have all these proteins floating around and they're proteinaceous waste we call mucus. And it's kind of like um, a bag of Legos that you get at a thrift store and you don't know what you can make with this. And so herbs like nettles and uh, Elderflower are really good at rearranging and finding the possibilities to turn that into, you know, the the Death Star or turn it into the Tower Card or something like that. And you're like, how did you do that with a, a two dollar bag of Legos from the thrift store? And that's what they do. They they just find little pieces here and there and they get creative with it. Whereas herbs like uh, herbs like cayenne are more like, I'm just going to take your your Legos away. <laughs> so what do you think, Michelle?
3: Yeah, I mean, nettles is always my first my first one for people for with seasonal allergies, cayenne too, but the nettle, and I think it's so symbolic too that nettle is like one of the first wild greens that pops up in the forest. So it's almost like showing you that, hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to be of assistance with some of the maybe seasonal allergies that pop up right away. You know, when the buds start forming and the pollen start flying around, the nettle is very abundant and fresh and young. And a lot of times you want to get the nettle when it's nice and young, because I mean, you can get it when it's older, but there's so much really nutrient dense energy and powerful energy when it's younger. Um, So yeah, that's usually my first go. But uh, with the cayenne, I just love the fact that, you know, obviously it's, it's blazing red. And then that connection to blood, you can't deny that that is totally just a a match made in heaven kind of thing. Um, But one of the things I wanted, I wrote down a quote from uh, one of the flower essence books that I have, and they had the cayenne flower essence in there. And to them, they say it stimulates an energetic response in the body and soul, helping to overcome apparent blocks to progress and transformation provides a catalytic, spark to the soul who may be stagnating in its growth cycle and now that's the flower essence of cayenne so you can see that it carries over that same on a physical plane what cayenne will help you do but the flower essence carrying that same spiritual um emotional medicine for you so just another way to think about you know cayenne all these plants too it's just really interesting when you start looking into the flower essences and all that um Yeah, how they carry over and how a lot of them will have some of the same effects on the emotional body and spiritual body, too, which I think is so beautiful.
4: Nice. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Um, I want to riff off of uh, some of what Kyle was saying regarding the blood and circulatory aspect with Cayenne. And uh, I mentioned earlier that the Aries glyph looks like a sprout. It also looks like a Taurus field, right? And so many people have made the correspondence with our hearts being toroidal in nature. And it's interesting because also the Aries glyph is the top of a heart symbol, you know, and it's like the monad splitting from itself um, and becoming two, the duad, but then returning to itself. You know, there's a lot of different metaphors you can make with that with, um, you know, finding your partner, you know, at long last coming back together, you know, splitting off from each other, almost kind of like you could arguably say that we are all, you know, part of this tree of life sort of concept or cosmic tree or whatever. But yeah, we all live our separate lives. But when we reunite, you know, it's almost like that tip of the heart. And so I think that the Aries glyph fits very nicely within the symbol of the heart and our hearts being toroidal. You know, it's um, it's interesting because it's like blood leaves the heart and returns to the heart. You know, this is a toroidal system. We are, you know, um, designed off of the toroidal field, basically, in so many ways. And it kind of looks abstract in certain ways. But when you just really think about that basic principle of the heart pumping blood and then the blood comes back to the heart, you can see the toroidal sort of nature in that. So I just wanted to mention those things. Yeah,
2: exactly. Really just... Uh, helps with that pressure differential to bring it back too, bringing hot all the way to the end and bring bringing hot back again,
5: yes. And, um, uh, let's not forget that the symbol for spring is cups, or in a card deck, it would be hearts. You know, it's the water, it's the water season, so that's so spot on. And also, uh, uh in some systems, your radness, is in Aries. In my system, I like my Uranus in Taurus, but either way, the spring of the celestial river is in the spring time. Whether you put it in Aries or in Taurus, it's still the river, the flow, is, uh, initiates in, this, in the spring season. Um, and then you mentioned a hero, you know, the heroicness of it, you know, leaping to action uh, which is the characteristic of the brave, you know, your standard hero. And so we've got uh, uh, Perseus, we've got Orion, you know, these are uh, big heroes on the on the Zodiac all in the springtime right here in this neighborhood. And I love to, uh, you're talking about sinuses and sinus remedy. Well, sinus, you can anagram out to be season, sun And the sun card is also correspondent with Aries. Sun card and the emperor card are both Aries uh, tarot uh, symbols. Uh, But then I can't fail to say uh, those who have the ears and the eyes to hear and to see will ear eyes, that's Aries. And all of these, we're were in the head. We're dealing with the sinuses, the head, the head of the ear in the anatomical zodiac, the ear eyes of Aries.
2: Yep, cayenne a remedy for the eyes as well, and will help brighten up your eyes. And it, there's even re, eye drops with cayenne for putting it put it in your eyes. I haven't done that before, but wow! Did you, did you get that video chance? Yeah, I did. I'm uh, getting it ready right now, but <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll warn people if they're squeamish.
0: Just a little. Bit. <laughs>
1: I've been rewatching this show from the early '60s to The Prisoner. I mentioned it to you Gabriel it is such a trip but without getting into the whole plot analysis about it I remembered from one of the episodes called Dance of the Dead which is as all of them are a very fascinating episode but there's a uh, <laughs> there's a broadcast that this main character the prisoner is able to hear on the island village that he's in and it's somebody like trying to encourage them to Escape or to rise up for liberty. And he says, he says, if our torment is to end, if liberty is to be restored, we must grasp the nettle, even though it makes our hands bleed. Only through pain can tomorrow be assured. (laughs) And, you know, maybe that's not always the case, but when you're in a bad spot, whenever there's something that's gone wrong, you do often have to go through some pain to correct that. You know, that's part of the healing process. So, yeah, that's the same reason maybe you go work out and put yourself through that discomfort so that you'll have, a, you know, so tomorrow will be more guaranteed in terms of your health. And Cayenne, I guess Nettle for that matter too, but Cayenne for sure. It's like you, you take on, you willingly take on some of the pain or discomfort so that you sp- spare yourself from it in a inopportune or in a, a worse or amplified way. You know, that's a
0: Definitely. great quote, man.
4: Yeah, yeah, you got to watch that
1: show, dude. It will blow your
4: mind. It's been on my radar for a while. That's the one. Uh, Tassarian was all over that one, right? If I'm not He's mistaken. all over it. And, you know, yeah. this is too much
1: of a side weave, but watch it, guys. And we'll do we'll do vibrance about it. Come on. Okay, all right. <laughs> another thing that like Michael never picked up on is that the whole show to me appears to be a giant allegory for the globe or the ball being the prison. Right. Right. A huge allegory for that, and like if you watch it with that lens, it's gonna extra blow your mind.
3: I'm in. Right. I'm totally <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah. You got me. Okay, the guys, too. everybody watching, hey,
1: including y'all in the chat, it's really fun. Uh, me so and Jenny have been watching
2: it at the so, uh, at the hotel I was staying at this morning. You know who was there? At the your concert, wife knows the, about it. The, the the continental breakfast this morning was staying what? at the hotel. The Harlem Globe Trotters. And, what? I texting, and I was texting Chance. I was like, "Should I tell him? Do you think that they'll become the Harlem uh, Ultimate Frisbee Trotters?" After. I do? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs>
5: that's awesome. Nice. <laughs> nice. And you know uh, that's really apropos, Chance, because uh, right now is the prisoner on the Zodiac and uh, uh, Andromeda. She's she's in chained. She's strapped in. She's the prisoner of the Zodiac. That's super apropos.
1: Oh, yeah. You guys got to watch it. Okay. So I've got Kyle's ad, (laughs) if you want to call it that, his cayenne ad.
2: Oh, my God. It's bleeding everywhere. I know. I got some cayenne. Oh, uh, do it. I don't want any of this stuff in the background here. There you go. There you go. Cool. Oh, my God. I'm bleeding everywhere. But I got some cayenne. No problemo. A little cayenne pepper on it. Ooh, it tingles. Okay. Be honest, does it just tingle? Yeah, it just tingle. See. And you got the director's cut or the non-director's about cut? About ten seconds or so. Just tingles though.
5: So it doesn't burn. No, I might have to drink some too, dude. Just take a little. Sip. You talk about the doctor and his signatures, mm. man.
2: It's it red. About seconds to stop the bleeding. Just stop. Yep. Fire yeah, so with I the
1: fire. That'd be brilliant.
2: I'll wash it off. Voila! Nice.
5: Sprick. Hell yeah,
3: dude. That's awesome. That's awesome. Incredible. Yeah, that's right. I, I love pretty that. Pretty bad. I cut I
2: cut myself pretty bad at a couple spots and uh, I have a couple scars that I kept from uh not getting stitches thanks to Cayenne, But it, it does heal up the tissues really really well too. It doesn't, doesn't bring the, the cut back together. It just stops the bleeding. And there's another plant that we've talked about in the Aries one that was yarrow, that was Achillea. That brings the lips of the, of the wound back together and it pulls it back together. But this one.
5: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Marty. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> okay, everyone just no. listening, what Marty says
1: in the chat. Ladies, this also works for the menses. Just insert a whole pepper like a tampon.
4: <laughs> You're supposed to be the good one. Be How dare you. <laughs> so By funny. the way, uh, Kyle, I, I liked your acting. I, I uh, Oh, no, I'm cut. Whatever shall I do?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Uh, I don't want any of that stuff back there. Hold on. All right.
1: <laughs> With all this weird detachment like a true Aquarius
2: because I, I was like dripping blood and uh one of the ladies that helps or the ladies that were up there they're like I was like quick get the cayenne and a camera quick and they're like huh what and I'm like just film me and I am like they're like what what do you need and I'm bleeding everywhere and like in my mind I was like this is a perfect opportunity in their mind they're like
0: what the hell <laughs> there's blood all over That's it's awesome action
5: you, right. you know what else? Uh, inadvertently, unintentionally, you had the, the most sacred of all the symbols, especially to the spiders. You had the sink. The sink. <laughs> The sink is so sacred to the spiders. We love the sinks. (laughs) That's so sweet.
2: Dude, I have four of them. (laughs) That's a four-chambered sink.
1: (laughs) I just really want to come over there to Milwaukee and get a tour of the whole operation.
2: I I want you to as well, Chance. All right, so
1: we're going to move forward here, get into the next one. I mean, there's probably more we could, we apparently could talk about cayenne all day, but I'm sure we'll circle back. I think
3: we could. Yeah. So here's cinnamon. What a beautiful tree. Uh, One of my favorite culinary herbs uh, by far. Um, I put cinnamon in savory dishes. I put it in sweet dishes. I bake with cinnamon. Um, Just seriously lovely. Um, So right here, um, cassia is actually what you'll sometimes see, there'll be like the cinnamon, cassia cinnamon, which is sometimes known as bastard cinnamon, which I thought was really interesting because it's kind of a replacement for true cinnamon, which is Cilion, and which is a little bit more when you buy cinnamon, Cilion cinnamon is a little bit more expensive sometimes um, because that's considered like the true, um, very high quality cinnamon. Um, and you can actually kind of taste a difference. I've always noticed a difference. Um, if you're into like tasting subtle, Subtle changes in certain ingredients. You'll be able to tell a difference if you had a side by side. At least I can sometimes the uh, cassia cinnamon has more of like um, I find more of a woody flavor to it um, whereas the uh, Cilion is a little bit brighter um, and a little bit more just like it feels more full to me so I thought that was an interesting nickname bastard cinnamon um, so just a little tidbit for people but kind of like with the cayenne you know um, and one of, the, one of the themes I've noticed about all these plants that we put together a lot of them are stimulants and so cinnamon is also a stimulant and works with the blood too. Um, so it can actually help to um, lower blood sugar and, pl- and the blood pressure levels. So um, I always find that to be interesting. Like I like to just add cinnamon to yogurt sometimes in the morning just to get, Things moving, you know, it kind of helps with that sort of stuff. Um, so it kind of because it's an astringent or a mild astringent, it can help pull things together, pull tissues together. So as we're talking about cuts and stuff, I'm actually now thinking about as you mentioned, yarrow uh, being able to like pull the wound together. Wouldn't that be a lovely uh, first aid to have, like a, a cayenne, cinnamon yarrow tincture, or or maybe like a powder or something like that? That could be kind of cool. Um, and uh, it's also known as an amemagog, which um, will bring warmth, uh, warmth to uh, you know. We've talked about amemagogs before, but um, brings warmth to the pelvic region. So could be really wonderful for a woman during their monthly cycle. Um, and who doesn't love, at least as a woman? I find that chai is like one of my super allies when I'm on my cycle. And most chais have a lot of cinnamon in there and lots of other warming herbs. And I find that that it's very comforting during that time of month. Um, Can also be used for a toothache remedy. Um, And I like to put cinnamon into my tooth powder. It's one of the herbs I add to that one. Um, And I find it to be really lovely, not only to flavor it, but for some of the uh, qualities uh, that we're talking about here with cinnamon. Um, And if you move on to the next slide so one of the things that I brought up to Kyle um, when I first when we first were just talking about uh, the herbs for Aries I immediately thought of cinnamon for the some of the reasons I was talking about but if you look at the cinnamon stick on the right it has the Aries glyph in it and so that's basically the cinnamon bark and so the way that they peel it from the tree it almost like naturally comes into the Aries glyph and so then we were also talking about how um, Kyle brought it up but you know, a lot of times um, barks and uh, saps and things, they're harvested during this time of year, during the spring and then also the fall. But it's because, you know, the, the tree is kind of like the, the bar are the sorry, the resins and the saps are all starting to move. They're all starting to awaken and things are more active in the tree. So it's a good time to harvest things like that. Um, so I just really love seeing this contrast too, because I think a lot of times too, one of the things that happens, there's such a disconnect sometimes of like where our food comes from, where do our spices come from? What do these trees look like? Uh, what do they require for growing? And cinnamon actually loves growing in warm areas, very warm areas, rocky areas. They actually thrive in more like rocky soil. And uh, one of the other things that's just like another Aries indicator about it is that um, it's harvested when the leaves turn red. And um, the leaves just turn this glorious, like bright red, kind of like the cayenne color. Um, and yeah, that there's my little weave on cinnamon. Um, and uh, I'd love to hear what you, what you guys all have to say about it too.
4: I just want to say and cinnamon sticks, right? The wand, wand being related to fire, oh. and then the fire sticks and everything else. So I don't. That's know, a kind great of one. Yeah. Yep. Well, the whole thing with the staunching bleeding
1: does seem very Aries, you know. Back to the cayenne, and then if this helps with the uh, <laughs> anyway. That's like something you'd have happen in war, <laughs> and right, Aries is the warlike sign, and which makes sense because you would start your marching of your armies in March. Sure, then uh, cinnamon. In my experience, one thing that I've used it for is in springtime. I have had at the house I, I currently own. There's been invasions of ant ant colonies invading into the house and i've straight up been at war with them at times not willing to use anything toxic i have pets right so making little barriers of cinnamon the ants won't cross them it's like you're (laughs) defining your boundaries in wartime against them
2: that's awesome yeah areas uh being the first being hot being the most likely for injury, right? Whether it's the the one that steps in the pothole in the parade or the the berserker that's the first on the lines. And, um, and so a lot of these herbs for these fire signs are great remedies for injury, but also great remedies for the nature of the fire sign. And let's say if you have a lot more fire in your chart or a lot more fire in your body, you also might be prone to... Um, acute inflammation. And instead of like, let's say chronic inflammation. And so having something that's that's more warming to bring that fire to its uh, fullest expression so that it can move on as opposed to uh, smother it. Because um, that would be really oppressive to a fire sign. And so that's that's why the cinnamon. And here's here's another thing that I was just thinking about is that cinnamon sticks, while they're something that we get from, you know, look at that. If you look at that tree, it's going this way. It's going that way um, or that branch right there. But there is something about the length of a cinnamon stick that they're almost always identical lengths. And so somebody determines that. And I always like to think about the measurement of a of a spice that comes from an area. You know, they're always about the same amount of, uh, and so who somewhere in the, in like, you know, in the Philippines or wherever this cinnamon or Mexico, wherever this cinnamon is grown, somebody's determining based off of. Uh, whatever, <laughs> you know, it's a geological landmark. It's a it's it's a matter of the emperor that says the measure of a particular thing, whether it's the measure of the flute or the measure of how you cut the cinnamon or the measure of the tone uh, that comes from the flute. All these things are are indicated by the rulership of the land. And I think that's a really cool little reminder of that. What, even though we're, you know, cinnamon sticks in, its, uh, in in their cut environment is something that we've created. It's, it's still a representation of the relationship that we have with the land. And then those little things are called quills. I like that word, quill. Mm-hmm. So you can have a quill of cinnamon. And if you did the same thing with a willow branch right now, which is f- filled with its... Um, Bark essence right now because the the sap is running. And then you can pull, you know, just take a knife and just go right down the side and just open it up like you're undressing something, and it just peels right off because all of that sap and energy is in there, and it just goes and it pulls right in. And that's a cool word, the quill. Of course, like uh um I, it makes me think of other fiery things, like, uh, like a like uh, i I don't know. It makes me think of quiver. It makes me think of arrows. It makes me think of other other war like. Sagittarian and Aries are probably really fun to hang out with in in the battlefield, you know?
4: (laughs) Excellent point regarding um, just the quantity and the length of everything. I mean, that is whether you're getting saffron or you're getting whatever, you know, how much is an ounce or two ounces or whatever and the quantities that you get or how much is acceptable for your needs or whatever. That's a really excellent point, man. I think that's a, That's something that you can kind of dig into a bit more, and it's going to make me think now when I'm using stuff or whatever. Just kind of like, why is it like this? Well, you know, who created this? There must be some really, really good reason for it. So uh, I love the fact that you brought that up.
5: I can't, uh, I can't not mention the, you know, the the pun of embark. You know, this medicine is in the bark, and spring is when we are embarking. You know, we're initiating, we're springing into a a new journey, a new endeavor seasonally. Uh, but the fact that it's called Cassia that really hits a chord for me. Um, Cassiopeia is enthroned right on the equinox line, and I think of her as the you know this is the e Queen Ox line. She is the queen of that, uh, ox being the olive, the, uh, the first
1: year Empress card corresponding to the equinox mm-hmm. as well there.
5: Exactly. Yes. So, uh, what well, funny thing about the, the minor decans, like I, I, I always mentioned that depending on who you're asking, you're going to get like up to 30 degrees of variation, meaning it could give or take one entire station of, of the Zodiac. But, you know, uh, Cepheus, the emperor, he's actually down in Pisces and Cassiopeia is actually up in Aries. And uh, one thing I'm learning about symbolism is so often the lesson is close enough is perfect. And the fact that the empress is actually in the Aries station and the emperor, his decan, is down in the empress's station, but they're married to each other. They're, they're, they're wed together and they are within one house of relationship to each other. Um, So I just find that interesting that she's actually up in Aries and he's actually down in Pisces, but symbolically they are holding down the entire 60 degrees of both of those signs. The entire equinox uh, relationship is kind of bound up in there. Uh, But yeah, I had to mention that because Cassia totally brings Cassiopeia to mind.
2: I want to, I want to weave on that. This, this brings up something like an answer to a question that was posed on a recent Crow 777 episode where they were talking about the, uh, Chang E and the year of the rabbit and the abundance of the rabbit. And they were talking about in this, um, this legend, the cinnamon tree comes up and it has a lot to do with this feminine aspect. And they're trying to, they're wondering, like, how could the cinnamon be feminine? And, um, and, I can't remember who the guest was. I think it was Wayne McCroy. Was like, they should ask James from Grounded Extracts. I was like, no, they should ask me because I know. (laughs) (laughs) Let ask you. (laughs) And uh, now I even know even better because of what you said there. But I think that uh, cinnamon, as an Aries herb, makes perfect sense for what you just said because if you prepare it and by boiling it, it becomes really super astringent and it tightens. And if you just put it into water and don't boil it, it becomes really demulcent and soft. And it makes the body really, uh, it structures the water. It makes the, the water hold a lot more viscosity. And um, and so I think it, it really does have these like mutable Pisces qualities to it. Um, and uh, it, it, yeah, so that, that makes a lot of sense to me, how it could be the, a feminine association with this Um, this so-called masculine sign and energy that we're in in Aries, you know?
3: That's a great point because I thought about that today when I was just thinking about being on tonight and how cinnamon if you put it into like a iced drink or something like that it, it almost creates like this gel you know like at the bottom of your cup and even in a, in like a if you had it in hot tea and maybe you didn't finish the very bottom of your cup and that tea cooled off it there is like this cinnamony gel that comes or whatever from it and I've always noticed that so that's a great point I love that I really love that and I think that you're totally spot on with that being connected to more of a feminine um, watery aspect of it. That's awesome. Nice. nice. And then there's
1: also cinnabar.
2: Oh
3: yeah, that mercury. Mm, yeah,
1: right. Is totally extracted from.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Is, it, for sure. is it like a place at the at the food court of the mall?
3: Cinnab- <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Well, we we
5: can't forget that cinnamon rhymes with feminine. Ah,
3: yeah. That's a good one. And it's a warm, (laughs) it's like so warm and comforting. Like I said, like when I have, when I'm on my cycle, I want chai. Like, I'm just like, I want chai. It's warm. And then the, just the smell of cinnamon is comforting and it kind of has that hug sort of feeling, you know?
1: Oh, and chai has amon, like the ram.
5: Right, the ram in the word. You're right. Ah, That's a good one. And chai is a, is an X. It's the Greek X. Is oh, uh, nice, right? Nice. Right in that right know. chance? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, there, so there's our mutable X as we cross uh, the e- equinox. Equinox. Never thought there's about also, that.
1: Was, you would spell my name in Greek with the X instead of a ch. The Greek X, the chi.
4: Chance, right? <laughs> there's also and uh, sin and cinnamon. So there's that Um, also related to what you were saying, um, Slick. So it's really fascinating when you go back and look at older emperor cards, they become very effeminate. Like very obviously, too, you know, so there's uh, they're just very feminine. And uh I think there's all sorts of implications with that. But the other thing that I was going to mention is that um the Crowley switch with the Hebrew letters for the emperor. He switched the star card of the emperor card. He thinks that the Hebrew letter that makes the most sense for the emperor is uh or however it's said, which is fish hook, which is fascinating because we're transitioned just from Pisces to Aries. And so to me, that that's the correspondence uh, is really intriguing. You know, the end of winter, the beginning of spring, and you have that fish hook symbolism. So it's coming
5: out of the water, right? That fish. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, uh, just to kind of weave on the emperor, empress, uh, if the empress is Cassiopeia, then her she's married to mythologically, her husband is Ayapa, or who is the king of Ethiopia. And so they have this uh, uh, mythological context to, to those to those zodiacal figures. So they're both uh, very uh, she's an African African queen, uh, and I love some of my favorite empress cards are black Afro rocking Aphrodite, you know empresses. Those are my favorite empress cards in tarot. Uh, but it would only make sense that he also would be you know a black man uh you know a burnt one
0: as ethiopia means or or Kemet means the burnt ones interesting all right i think let's i think we can jump to the next one hey eh?
1: and i want to tack one on too at the end i had a i have one that i think really fits but i need you guys to talk about it when i bring it up
2: oh sweet all right bonus quiz i love it um garlic mustard Um, here's a plant that is got a lot of words that, that, uh, are seductive to our war against nature, right? It's invasive. Um, it's aggressive. Stop the spread. Uh, don't plant it, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, it's, uh, all of these things kind of get overlapped over and over with all these systems of power and control and domination and the, you know, the the master slave dynamic. And so here's garlic mustard. And this is interesting because I was listening to Michelle and Mario and, um, Jonathan branch yesterday and in their, in, in their slideshow, uh, they were mentioning all these herbs in the Bible. And I noticed that they didn't mention mustards. And of course there is maybe just one passage, which is with the faith of a mustard seed. um, you can move a mountain that the emperor sits upon or something like that. I don't remember how it's been translated, but uh, maybe I added the emperor part at the end, but there is uh, for each one of these plants, you know, seven, 8,000 seeds produced. It's tons and tons and tons. So it's very, very, um, it has a lot of, of that spring energy of that spring vitality that of reproduction There's the signature of the, of the brassicaceae, which is a member, this is a member of the brassicaceae, um, family. Other famous members of the brassicaceae family include kale and kohlrabi and, uh, broccoli and Brussels sprouts and, uh, horseradish and all kinds of, uh, famous mustards that we love. And, the mustard the brassica family is awesome because you can eat everything in the brassica family from the very tip of the root to the very top of the of the of the flower and the seed everything every part of every plant in that family is edible so great survival food amazing survival food but the the signature is the brassica cross the crucifer there's the cross again it's uh sometimes it's mutable sometimes it's It's there. It's it's the cross of the door. There's the hinge. The hinge into the new time of year. I see these um, signatures on a lot of plants in these cardinal positions of the year. I think they're really prominent in a lot of these places, and I think it's really cool um, to find them like that. So if you look closely at that one on the right, there. uh, I know it seems a little blurry, but you might be able to see a couple flowers there and the white flowers with the cross in it whereas on the left you have the first year growth and this is a biennial so it'll grow like that in the first year And the second year it'll do its thing and sprout and produce its flowers and produce its seeds and um so yeah there's a lot of uh i i really love garlic mustard for a lot of reasons those are fighting words How dare you? Aren't you supposed to pull it up and destroy it every time and put it in bags and leave the bags on the trail? No, no, no. Um, (laughs) No, no, no. As a matter of fact, I love this plant so much because, um, one, it's one of the most nutritionist plants that you'll find in nature. It is so dang packed with nutrition, with vitamins, with minerals, with vitamin C, with vitamin A, with vitamin E. There's a reason why it was quote brought here all right maybe it was here but um and the other thing that i ask myself when i see so-called invasives um which i I don't really i'm not really on board with the invasives native narrative um for a lot of reasons but, but because i think it's very arbitrary and and i think that uh it's it's marketing that's generated by uh for the use of destruction of uh land and for selling poisons that like Monsanto and stuff like that. And I think that it doesn't consider the bigger picture of, you know, twenty years it takes for a plant to naturalize. And that's what this plant does. And so um where was I going with this? But okay, there was a there was a name, there was a man in um Cornell University who's still working in this particular research project. His name is Dr. Burnt (laughs) <laughs> Dr. Berndt Blossie, and uh like, oh, sweet, that's a great Aries name. And uh, <laughs> Dr. Blossie is uh, conducting these control uh, ex- research experiments where he's using vast tracts of land, and he's tra- trying to figure out about the, the invasiveness of this plant. And he's finding that in areas where there are um, hardly any deer, or the deer are... Under the, uh, they have their predators to uh, worry about. There is hardly any garlic mustard. But in the areas where there's the deer can graze with impunity, which is almost all of the places now, um, the garlic mustard thrive. And why? Because the deer don't eat garlic mustard. They eat the quote unquote native plants. And of course, there is like a, a competitive, um, it's called simmering. It's a competitive, like, uh, Chemical that this plant releases and it interferes with the mycorrhizal reproduction of the quote unquote native plants, but after uh, ten to twenty years, it no longer produces that and it just naturalizes itself into a feeble little plant, and the other plants come in. So my question, when I see these invasive plants in our landscape, um, is more of a holistic question, which is what is the ecological function. Like, what is the reason why these things are here? And this is the same thing with like a symptomology picture that you might see if you're working with a, a person in front of you. You might say like, Oh, they're, they have sinus congestion. We can just eliminate that with some cayenne, right? Um, in the same way that I say, Oh, these things are coming in. They're taking away all of my, um, precious natives that we planted. So we could just eliminate them by poisoning them with Monsanto. And, you know, who cares about the waterways and we'll pick them up and, um and uh then there's the the more holistic question which is why why are these things here and it it really does have this ecological this whole ecological effect where we talk about why are the deer here why is there four times more deer than there were allegedly when the when the country uh you know when the american settlers were here there's you know there's all these deer because we got rid of the predators and all this stuff like that um and will these plants naturalize themselves um or are they a menace to nature? <laughs> you know, are they thriving in a habitat? Because I, the
1: habitat Kyle, I just was Googling it and there's a on the first page results. There's a New York Times article with the headline, garlic mustard, evil, invasive,
2: delicious. <laughs> that's the headline. Sorry, I didn't yeah, interrupt. Like, total like evil. When you Google <laughs> it, it's being called evil. Right. Yeah. No. And so that's the that's the idea. What, what his conclusion was. And Dr. Burnt. Um. What his conclusion was, was you're going to, uh, do more harm to the environment by trying to pull this stuff off. You're going to go out in the, into the, uh, off the trail, step on other things, pull up this information that's stored in the soil. All of that, uh, 10 years of, uh, simmering, um, you know, it's going to, it's going to, uh, y- y- this plant likes to thrive in, uh, disturbed soil as well. So anyway, just let it do its thing and, um, and, Eat the garlic mustard and be friend, be a friend of it instead of like try to dominate it. And at the same time, you can um, have some of these amazing benefits of a plant that is spicy, that is delicious, that is evil, <laughs> that is that really makes your salad. It kicks up the uh, the morality of your salad quite a bit, as well no, as we're really food. playing on the whole. <laughs> it's got cyanide. It's noxious weed. Uh, yeah. So. I love garlic mustard, and I think the best time um, when you're harvesting it is to get it when it's in its like rounder stage, as opposed to look at these Martian signatures over here. This like jagged, uh, very pointy. This is when it's in. This is what over here on the right is when it's on the march for reproduction, and over here on the on the uh, left side is more of its delicious. Uh, venusian uh, i love the flavor give me all the senses it's it's good and it's good over it, it tastes good over there so this is the, the best time to harvest it over there on the left yeah so that's it i think eat eat the weeds is good for like bruising too if you like a um, poultice i've you know what i've never used it as external medicine but it would be uh it would be so mustards in general all mustards are great at dispelling congestion and mucus especially in the lungs and respiratory mucus so this is all of our kapha stuff here we are at the time of year where we need it uh, retroactive causality of nature so what's going on with a lot of people there they got a lot of mucus and so if you wanted to make a, a, a poultice of it uh it's more appropriate to have a poultice for uh bringing stuff out from the lungs heating up the lungs and uh thinning the mucus inside and it also has an expectorant effect and uh, you can also make a mustard out of the seeds, too. You know, like the mustard that you put on your bratwurst. Um, and, yeah. Well,
1: well you know, one thing you can't
0: really think very well whenever you have a
1: mucusy head. <laughs> and that's generally where people feel it the most when they have allergies. Maybe there is some going on in the lungs, but you really feel it in your head and your sinuses, right? And uh, I, uh because you mentioned the Bible verse, I decided I was like, what... What do they call the mustard seed in the Vulgate, the the Latin translation of the Bible? And interestingly, the word written is synapis, S-I-N-A-P-I-S. And that sounds a lot like, I mean, there's a lot of things you could decode out of that, but it sounds like synapses, (laughs) interestingly. I know that's not garlic mustard, maybe per se, but just thought that was interesting.
2: Yeah, it's the it's it's just about the metaphor of the of the the seed and what one seed of garlic mustard could do, how it could change the landscape. You know, just one seed could really infinitely change the landscape. It could change people's perception of the landscape and uh, and so social engineering of how to uh, dominate that landscape. And just one last little thought: I, lo- I just love I love looking at the name of plants for additional gravy and this is why i really like coming on the show and finding that um gar so the word garlic um is encoded in this allium so alliums are onions and garlic and things like that so there you have the alliaria. there's aries and aria and uh, petiolata means there's um um uh, there's a lot there's a lot of petioles <laughs> i don't know what it means but i think it's pretty cool. Nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pet, a your a lot of petals i love it
4: <laughs> you reminded me um so the guy the cult leader of the rajanishis the Bhagwan, his main book is the mustard seed you know uh which i kind of forgot about until now but uh that's his main uh work which we actually had at some point we don't have it anymore i never read it um but also you're reminding me of the fact that um you know you mentioned this Bert burnt fellow. And, um, you know, the idea of sacrifice this time of year, just with everything, Passover, the, uh, the sacrificial lamb and all of that. It's also reminding me that the Holocaust means burnt offering and then just the nature of fire that you need something, uh, would more than likely, um, that is going to be, burnt right you need there there has there's a sacrificial quality just to the nature of fire in and of itself so if you want fire something has to burn something has to be sacrificed awesome they
2: say don't don't throw it in a compost they say like put it in a plastic bag and let it like rot on the trail or which is kind of like the 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 tendency of this sacrificial going out and executing this thing on nature but they also say like burn it you know put it in a pile and burn it and so there is that's really interesting that like people will get together in like a you know an earth day mob type of way of just like you know sacrif like uh you know executing this thing you know and and how that energy is really appropriate at this time of year and you and if let's say that that was going on at a different time of the year, you wouldn't get a whole bunch of people coming together and uh um uh, you know saying but garlic mustard's bad. It's evil. It's it's evil. It's as evil. It's it's got its. Like uh, you
1: Google it, and there's just (laughs) blogs and everything. Like stop garlic mustard. Like people are making their life about this. (laughs) It's really weird. It's so strange that the juxtaposition of Earth Day and going out to execute something (laughs) like that, as if basically what you mean by Earth Day is that the Earth is unintelligent and unable to balance itself.
5: Yeah man, yeah. chance can you pull up a uh, empress card, it, like any old empress card? Uh I I mean if I had to be choosy, it'd be nice if it had she generally has a uh, the stars on in her hair. Yeah, there we go. It's usually 12 stars, right? Uh I for uh for one, I think it is so profound beyond words, it's a whole nother weave that the word holocaust means whole burnt offering it's almost like we've we've all chosen this phrase that somehow justifies or ritualizes what that is supposed to mean it is so profound everybody should just kind of sit with what that what the implications of our word choice is for that but this is the time of year we're at passover so the idea of sacrificial offerings, it's all, you know, it's all intrinsic to the Passover thing. Uh and tax day. We're dealing with tax day. We're we're sacrificing, we're giving up. Uh we're, you know, it, the the fusion of church and state is complete. I will, I will never let go of that fact. But uh so she's got in her hair uh she has the 12 zodiacs in her mind right she's got she has mastery of the ultimate cipher of the realm which is star language um well garlic mustard uh there's a fun little anagram in there the girl star muse dam dam is the lady the woman She's got the stars. She's musing over the stars with this diadem of the constellations on her head. Uh, so all of this was completely coming to mind as you're uh, musing over the significance of the garlic mustard. Uh, and you, you mentioned that it's better when it's round.
2: Did, didn't you say it's better off when it's rounder leaves? Yes, it's like the roundness looks more feminine. And yeah. it has, yeah, it definitely has that, uh, the better, it's more desirable flavor. It's the more Venusian aspect of it, just like this card. Yeah. So, so
5: I, for some reason, I just keep seeing how our weave today is really bringing forward the fact that Cassiopeia is actually in Aries in, in some uh minor Deccan listings it's actually uh on the equinox and the fact that the emperor is actually down in pisces i just keep seeing it because here she is again uh kind of uh woven into the language of the word garlic must starred uh has the girl star muse dom it's That's all there
2: the this the heart-shaped leaf by the way too when, right. it's the, when it's the arrow shaped leaf, no good. When it's the heart shaped leaf, like in this card here. Yep. There's the heart. And there's the, yeah, like like
5: uh Mario was saying with the, the sprig, the spring. Yep. I love it. I love that. And Afro oh, that's another thing. Aphrodite, you know, a lot of people think of Apollo when they hear April, but I think of Aphrodite. Uh I think of Aphrodite a lot more. In that love the heart uh, aspect.
4: Just because it's on the screen, I just have to mention the fact that the Globus cruciger is like an upside down Venus glyph. And uh, right. it's more of an obscure sort of thing. But there are some people like myself that use the upside down Venus glyph for the glyph for Mars. And so it's almost like the emperor is holding the glyph for Mars um, in a more esoteric
0: sort of system. I think yeah. so. I think that's intriguing. But yeah, man, good stuff. As always. Thanks, Chance.
3: So here we are with some horseradish. Same family as the garlic mustard. Uh actually very similar. Um, you know, like even the the white flowers, which I was gonna mention. I wonder, um, to me, the white flowers might indicate like a, an ability to be like purifying and so we're talking about things that are going to maybe help expel mucus and start things to move or whatever this is just one of the thoughts i had so came to mind with the garlic mustard and then here it is with with horseradish uh one of the nicknames for it is mountain radish mountain radish or coarse radish um i think coarse radish is actually more of like an english um Way to describe it, um but again, okay,
1: there's like, a perfect example of how the h becomes c or c h ah easily all the time because like and also you can just drop it, so h is really kind of like the difference between horse radish and horseradish is just how much you put emphasis on the exhalation at the beginning, or thus it's called an aspirate, and if you hear some some cultures when they do an aspirate, some will be soft like horseradish, and then others will be like radish, you know, so it can become, there, there's this interchange between C and H, perfect example, I wanted to point that out, because I want people thinking that way, when they're playing with words for, you know, philological, etymological pursuits.
3: Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, yeah, because I kind of wondered about the coarse radish. I was like, huh, I wonder what that's all about. But I wanted to throw it in here. And I'm glad I did because, yeah, maybe it's just literally the phonetic, like, way of pronunciation i'm not sure but um yeah so again it's a stimulant um and one of the things about this plant too if you've ever grown horseradish and it's one of the things that i've just noticed with it um when it's in its very young stage when it's just coming up out of the ground it actually looks like horse hair like the tail like a horse tail hair almost like that it has like a very um I don't know, it just like reminded me when I saw it. I'm like, wow, it actually looks just like a horse's tail, the the um the texture of their tail. And so I wondered if that's maybe even where that beginning of the word comes from. Just maybe a signature that somebody um recognized at one point. Um but this one is a, is a mover and a shaker and I have it right here, but it's my horseradish fire cider. So horseradish is wonderful in something like a fire cider. And here we are talking about Aries, but just like one of those remedies that's really just going to bring the fire bring that movement, um, bring the spice. Uh, it's one of my favorite like all time condiment favorite all time or all time favorite condiments to use, um, with meats, particularly fatty meats. A lot of times you see it served with fish and stuff like that, but it's going to kind of help, you know, start digestive uh, juices flowing as well. Lots of sulfur in this one, which we can kind of uh, correlate that back to the garlic, uh, mustard as well um, because the garlic onions all very high in sulfur get that smell but the benefits of sulfur and I can't not bring it up now because Mario and I uh, talked about it before um, we started vibrant tonight and then someone brought it up in the chat but DMSO um, and it being really high in sulfur it basically is just like Salt, it's not pure sulfur by any means, but that is one of the main healing elements of DMSO is that it is high in sulfur and it's from trees and it's a you know byproduct of the paper and lumber industry. And it is one of the most amazing substances that I've come across um, in so many ways of being just a fantastic healer of so many ailments and it kind of comes. To me, it is, it's Aryan in a couple ways because it's so fast acting and it's driving. It's like, I think of DM, when I think of DMSO, I do, I think of like something driving into your skin, driving into your body. And so there's that RAM kind of energy. Um, so kind of a tangent, but uh, I had to bring it up because I'm talking about sulfur. Um, so uh, really wonderful for children if you're trying to maybe, uh, if somebody has worms, perhaps you can use it for that to kind of expel them. I also have a quote here from Culpepper about horseradish. And it he says, if bruised and laid to a part, grieved with sciatica, gout, joint ache, or hard swellings of the spleen and liver, it doth wonderfully help them all." I love that. And I love the language, um, the old, the old language too. It's just very nice to hear how these herbs were described and things like that. But yeah, I mean, topically, um, again, to treat rheumatism and par- paralysis even. So, bringing some pain relief uh, as well. And um, when it's, you know, it's um, a German condiment too, as I brought up before, but it's usually mixed with vinegar. And that's another reason why I use it in my fire cider because fire cider is the base of it is vinegar. So it it works really well uh, with vinegar. So if you weren't, if you were maybe wanting to make a tincture with horseradish, but you don't want to use alcohol, this is a really great herb to uh, combine with vinegar And, and vinegar is great at extracting medicinal properties from uh, plants as well
0: interesting i'm just looking at the latin name armor armor you know Mm. with the second
4: word there so that's intriguing um yeah well it's also
1: armorica which is one of the names of the I think it's one of the peoples of the the ancient peoples of the British Isles. Oh, mm, okay. Which I personally think there's, uh, it, there's legs on the theory that the Armoricans are potentially progenitors of where we get the name America. Oh, As right. uh, Dylan's latest work has really done a lot of <laughs> great, great, uh, evidence based research to demonstrate that the. Natives of particularly like the New England areas, the the Native Americans there have so much similarity going to the British, Celtic, Irish. It's uh, it's too much to ignore. Very interesting stuff.
2: Yeah. And that would explain why a lot of these herbs from the so-called old world um, also happen to be. Uh, have a lot of traditional uses in these indigenous communities as well, and um, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, if, if these these herbs were actually naturalized, as they said, or if they're just over here. You know, like I said, I had I have a lot of problems with this this whole native uh, plant, you know, idea because it's uh, it's very arbitrary based on so, some sketchy history without a lot of receipts. But but anyway, I love horseradish as well i like it did you know that's what you use to make wasabi and um i used to make horseradish in my wasabi yeah. Wasabi. and um yeah also the the just the name horse like i'm thinking about <clears throat> like if you're horse if you got like a a um you know something going on some qatar that's the word that I, I really like that Pepper would have used if I doth have Qatar um, clinging to the whatever and um, <laughs> to my throat and also the word radish, which also could be like reddish. I, I don't know. It's just fun to think how, how some of these words can really describe the, the energetic qualities of these signs that we're in, that we find them in at the times. And also it um, be a remedy of if somebody has like a horse guitar or if they have a reddish radish like constitution, if they're, um, um, I don't know. That's, these are the types of herbs that I would work with to help stimulate and equalize circulation. That's just, uh, maybe concentrated in the head or concentrated in the face as very often is with the Aries constitution philologically, somebody who has a lot of energy kind of up here in the head and maybe um, tension that keeps it from equalizing all the way down. So it presents as a lot of redness and maybe even like the the veins and uh, things like that. But um, so, yeah. That's all I got. Nice. I don't use horseradish that much though, because I used to use it a lot in my fire cider, but um, I would get it, I would buy it fresh and then I, st- I couldn't find it for a long time and I still had to make my fire cider. So I just modified my recipe, but it's an excellent, excellent plant. And it's so freaking strong. It's so freaking strong that when you <laughs> like, when I was making this in a vinegar, so I would get like that much horseradish, right? We would be preparing it into like my Vitamix blender with some um vinegar and stuff like that i would be tripping like from the fumes like you think that onions make you cry like we would be doing onions and be like oh man oh man who this is hard and then when we got to the horseradish i would be seeing colors there would be like purples it was a psychedelic experience and it's this is all like just working with a plant like that this is all aries stuff like who who can i dare in my you know who can i dare to go like cut up a whole bunch of horseradish right now like uh the areas in the areas in the room's like i'll do it
3: (laughs) i was gonna say even as a capricorn i'm like i'll do it No, that's a great point, too, because even if you look up online, you know, uh, how to prepare horseradish sauce. And it's very easy if you just make the basic, you can, you know, you have a Vitamix or you have a, you know, a food processor or whatever, and you're literally just grinding it up and it can make this beautiful paste just with its own self. You know, you don't even have to add anything to it. But people who are in the know will warn you, do not put your face over the mechanism that you're grinding this in. But even if you don't and you're just in the room, yes, like you said it can be so intense um so yeah use with caution <laughs> and that's funny too because just like with the cayenne or a pepper they're sneaky you've cut cayenne maybe you've forgotten and you rub your face or whatever it's like all these herbs have that same right. sort of uh cautionary um thing about them to they want you to pay attention you know um while you're while they're being used which is kind of interesting you know very Aryan.
2: <laughs> and for anybody who's thinking about a dare and is an Aries, don't use the cayenne as a tampon. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that
2: was a joke.
1: Right that, <laughs>
5: that was that, that was a late April Maybe somebody schools. out there would be
1: so <laughs> daring. Yeah, I, I have a weave on horseradish, though. You know, again, back to the whole thing of the connection between the Americas and the ancient Britons there, you know, those people on the Island definitely had a big love for root vegetables. And that is one of the things that was noticed by researchers of like the 1600s of the native tribes that they also were really into potatoes and other type of root vegetables. And that's what they mainly cultivated when they weren't foraging for other stuff. So anyway, in the, The uh, Latin name for horseradish, you have cochlearia, which is basically the word cochlear, that or cochlea. Cochlea is uh, originally, well, I don't want to say originally. I don't know which one came first. I actually kind of suspect maybe Latin is the older thing, but uh, cochlea in Hindu is a word referring to this part of the ear in anatomy. So I'm going to show that. Again, the ear is also part of the head. So I wonder if the horseradish has anything, you know, that could help with ear problems. I don't know. But there cochlea is this spot right here where my mouse is going. And as you can see, it's shaped like a spiral, like a ram's horn, the way it curls back in on itself. Very interesting. In Latin, the word cochlea, and also I think the Greeks borrowed the word, it refers to a snail. So snail shell has that shape as well you see a lot of snails in springtime too. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that weave forward. Another great example of the obvious affinity between Sanskrit and Latin that seems to go widely unnoticed. But this, uh, what, what does it mean that horseradish is referencing this spiral cochlea snail ear shape thing?
3: That's interesting because, you know, um, it just makes me think about it probably does because of the spice and that stimulant, you know, action, just having the ability to open up that, that area, just like it opens up the sinuses, but opening up the ears. And uh, yeah, I notice it, my ears open up when I eat peppers and when I eat horseradish. And so that's a really great point, Chance. I love that.
5: Yeah, man. You know, uh,
3: uh, oftentimes
5: uh, back to the ear eyes, and ears and having the ears to hear and the eyes to see. Um, there's a, there's another little side weave on this that has, I think a lot to do with uh, uh, cultures that hail back to uh, Egyptian influence. And when I say that, I'm not necessarily talking about Egypt proper. I might be talking about the expansive extended territories of Egypt. You know, the land of Egypt is not Egypt proper. Um, and so when we hear like the ears to hear and the eyes to see, uh that might uh I'm not making any claims, but it might be uh pointing at this trend of earrings, ear jewelry, earrings, and uh the wearing of um leopard skin, leopard print, the educated. The educated class will be uh wearing mantles, boasting of their knowledge in their mastery of language. Um so having the ears to hear and the ISIS the to see
1: the American priests did it
5: too, were the cat mm-hmm. skins. The cat skins, Definitely yes. Yep. And another trend culturally of this extended territories is the circumcision. That's the ISIS to see. And that is to say that if they were butt naked in a in a gladiator arena, their sword would be drawn already. Uh That's the that's what circumcision was all about. It was about intimidating your enemy so that they think you got a you got a stiffy at the idea of battle. Uh And that's all gross and weird. It's wow. so gross and so weird. But yeah, circumcision is actually to make it look like your your sword is drawn at the very suggestion that you might be going. To duke it out with another dude fucking weird so Fun weird chief. that's
1: really interesting yeah. that, that resonates with what I read in uh, Faber's Origins of Pagan Idolatry old last book where he was conjecturing about like the origins of the priest class and, and rulership style of government in general and you know he had a lot to say about the priest the original priest class also being like the generals uh, for of war <laughs> so yeah yeah, very
0: interesting.
5: Yeah, it's really weird. It goes, you know. So if you're a pagan, your father's probably gone, and he didn't do the rites, and so your your sword is going to be sheathed. So if you're a pagan, you're not circumcised. You're you're uh, you're going to look timid in the battle arena. This, but if by the way,
1: is not a good reason to clip your children's.
5: This is not a good reason. Yeah, we that. are way we're way past all that, right? But yeah, so a pagan, he's sheathed. He's now ready for battle. But if you're if you're clipped, if your dad was around, then the rights were observed and you're ready to go at any at any given moment. So leaving all that weirdness behind, uh, back onto the horseradish. Uh you know, I used to work produce uh for a lifetime, and a horseradish looks like a horse's hoof, you know, it's like blocky, it's got a big, you know. Uh, kind of a fist on the end of it. Uh, it looks like a horse's hoof, and that uh, totally brings uh, Pegasus back into the picture for me. And the fact that we're, uh, if we're in Aries, we're at the end of the expression of Pegasus. To is a very long constellation. It actually starts in a- uh, Aquarius and extends past uh, Pisces and into Aries, and so it's very apropos to have the horse's hoof. At this time of year, very spot on.
4: Nice. Yeah, man, I think so, too. There's an interesting weave um, with what you just mentioned regarding circumcision. Circumcision arguably has a uh, total correspondence with this time of year, you know, and I know it's related to the uh, head.
0: (laughs) It's the head of the other head.
4: There's so many different things you can uh, pull up right now with all of that. I know one of them is the uh, the story of the binding of Isaac being sacrificed and then later being circumcised. And then also um, sometimes in uh, illustrations of of this um, whole scenario. Um, there are like ritual circumcision tools and knives and stuff present. And then also some of that artwork is present on actual circumcision knives too, uh, which corresponds with this time of year with the whole Passover thing and blah, blah, blah. But uh, real quick regarding the horse stuff. Um, the only horse in the Zodiac is Sagittarius, which is the last fire sign. Right. And I think it's interesting that um, the mantra for Sagittarius is, is I aim, you remove the I from aim and it becomes I am, which is the mantra for Aries. And then also the symbol for Sagittarius is a arrow pointed to the upper right, which is the common one of the common elements for the uh, glyph of Mars. Right. And so there's totally there's a handful of things going on there with that. But horse being related to fire and then Often it's said that death comes riding a white horse, you know, so the horse's um, role within the military and warfare and all this other kind of stuff. It's super appropriate. So,
5: yeah, that's that's
0: awesome. I I love it. I love it.
4: Not to mention all the
1: three or four hours we've just been talking about correlations of the savior deity that is also you know, symbolic of the vernal equinox with horses, <laughs> go a totally. long oh God, I think we've got on some benders with that before,
5: oh right, the <laughs> yeah. equine, the equine of the equinox,
1: the equus, yeah twenty seven all right, I'm gonna put us on to the next one,
2: yeah, yeah,'re
1: <laughs> getting off Keep us the going before here. we
2: get stuck in uh, circumcision for another hour too, yeah, that could uh, happen easily could happen, <laughs> zing. As in zing, zingiber. Is it a zingiber or is it a zingiber? Um, it's fun because it's the last. It's like a lot of uh, you know uh, books are like every herb from alfalfa to zingiber because you know we don't we don't really have a common name that starts with a z. But um, in a lot of other places that speak Latin, this plant would be zing zingiber um which is i did some research on the etymology earlier and that is from uh, uh um a modification of sanskrit which is sing uh bear, bear, singbera which is bera
1: being related to the bear i want to just pipe in real quick on zingiber the sure. uh the greek zeta <laughs> is the 7th letter I'm pretty sure or has a value of 7 and then in yep. English the value of 7 belongs to G. Right. So you know there could be some weird pathway of that Z and G have
4: interchanged here to give us your zinger. And then literally embedded within Z is the 7 by the way. It's just that extra little dash at the bottom.
2: Nice. True. Yes. Zygote the 7 above and the 7 below. So, yeah, there's a lot there's and then there's the bear at the end of the word there. So this this little the part of the plant that we that we work with a lot would also be the part of the plant that we would, you know, a lot of times people learned about plants from how the animals would work with them Mm -hmm. and how the animals would use them so the the bears of North America or of Tartaria or wherever you know there was bears in the temperate regions a long time ago. People would observe them, they would go into the the underworld in this winter time, and they would um, be in charge of the dreams and the subconscious and all of the totem that they represent in that department and in the springtime, when the things were growing again, they would emerge, and what would they look for? They would look for the most oily. Uh, juicy roots that they could find and sometimes in north america the bears are eating angelica and they're eating burdock and which looks like a bear and they have a lot of signatures of the bear as well um they can look furry or they can look like a bear in a way but um they also just, you know, the, the, the other signatures are these spiritual, uh, animal token signatures that we see, like, that they may resemble, like, for example, a geranium, which is called crane's bill, resembles a crane, and it has a lot of significance with childbirth. Um, for example. So, um, that's another spring totem signature, this crane bringing the, bringing the child and whatnot. So anyway. What else does this plant also look like? It looks like some non-specific digestive organ, I guess. <laughs> Something that's got some 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 part of the alimentary canal. I don't know. Uh I, mean, I can just imagine like a cartoon where the doctor is like uh putting somebody back together and is like, where does this part go? I don't know. Probably doesn't <laughs> probably doesn't need it, but uh anyway, because of the signature of the digestive some some digestive organ whether it's a stomach or the duodenum or the gallbladder or something like that we see a lot of digestive um, signatures with this plant and of course a lot of people know that right ginger for ginger for a tummy ache makes a lot of sense um if you want to think that way in a in a in a you know what herb for what condition kind of or what you know Name of a condition, but if you want to match it up right to the right condition, you could say, well, a cold stomach, something that is cold where there's not a lot of energy. So something to wake up at the appetite, something for um, a person who has a generally colder constitution. Think about the bear that just came out of the hibernation and hasn't ate for a while and it's going to have a hard time digesting whatever it needs to digest. Um, and this is also the case for, um, uh, uh, nausea and pregnancy, what's it called? Morning sickness, things like this where where there's uh a different biology, there's a lot of different exchange of proteins and stuff like that. And um, you know, a woman's body is trying to get used to how to digest is also like the movement the displacement of the organs in general. So that would be really, really nice. But where would it not be indicated? It might also be counterindicated for somebody who is really, really, really warm all the time, so I don't always think of it as a, an appropriate plant for you know upset stomach. For example, I think it's appropriate for um, upset stomach that is cool or digestion that excuse me that needs to we need to bring warmth warmth to our general core, and that could also be uh, why this plant is really helpful for stimulating minces and stimulating just a uh, general uh, warmth and. Relief of pain and from cramping and premenstrual conditions as well. Um, so whenever there's that lack of energy in the core, so we thought about uh, cayenne as something that stimulates it outward, and ginger is something that stimulates it, bringing that that heat back into the, the internal, so that it may diffuse and um, and heat the rest of the system again. This one looks more like a, a a log that you would put into your internal furnace to burn it for that type of energy and then if you cut open ginger you have um you know it's it's more juicy it has a lot of uh, of that water element something that reminds us a little bit more of like what's going on inside the body and i love <laughs> just as like a little funny little poetic godwink here that ginger uh, is what we call people with red hair. And this is, this, this plant's also a redhead, right? <laughs> so why do we call, I was thinking about that. I was asking me and my wife earlier today, like, why do we call gen, people like gingers that have like red hair? And, um, the thing, I don't know, I didn't look it up or any research, but the thing that comes to mind is that, um, that is the type of person that would be, uh, the type of the the qualities of the type of person that would be like against ginger because they're already warm. They have a lot of, uh, heat they're generating. Typically. Um, the ginger people are spicy, you know, uh, they're zingy, they're sharp. They're, they have the, the ginger gaze. They have the ginger wit. They, um, and all of the other survival things that come with, uh, being a, a a redhead person, you know, in the in a in a world that has a sun. <laughs> and uh and so having something that's warming and spicy would be contraindicated for that type of person because it can make them warmer and spicier. And what happens when warm people get warmer? They get angry and they get mad and they get uncomfortable. Hot and bothered, they call it. Um so this is a plant for that grows in the tropics and a lot of these plants that we talked about tropical plants um, they make a lot of sense in these locations because what's going on down there? It's hot. So what do you want? You want to cool off. Well, how do you cool off? Well, you cool off with something that stimulates your movement of your sweat outwards to the periphery so that you can keep that, uh, that just like the Aries glyph, keep that fountain flowing. Move that, fount- that fountain energy. And where that fountain stagnates, that's where that canker, that's where that disease comes in, according to Samuel Thompson. So, and then of course, you know, ginger, it's just great. It's it's awesome. Everyone knows ginger. Everyone loves ginger. This is medicine that is food. This is medicine that you could find at the grocery store. You could find this at even like some fancy gas stations now. Um, and even like the little candies and stuff like that, those those work too. Um, and I have, I just have, I mean, I have so much experience with ginger, but one of my favorite things where ginger like really came and save the day was just like after a uh, Atlantic flight and I landed in Frankfurt, Germany, and there was a juice bar and they just put up like two roots like this into a a juicer and gave me like a one ounce thing, you know, and it was awesome. It really saved my, my gut because I had been sitting down and traveling and in a position where the energy is not moving. You know, there's, there's this angle of sorrow (laughs) in an airplane where I'm sitting and my legs are 90 degrees. And uh, that energy is just not flowing. And so Ginger moves that energy again. And um, so, yeah, that's all I got, I think, for now. Um, But I'll see what what you all have. Yeah,
4: man. Regarding real quick, uh, awesome stuff. And I'm just realizing how many, like, of my favorite sort of flavors are uh, in this presentation today. Ginger included for sure. Uh, but my old friend Bud used to say that redheads come from Mars. And uh, I just did a quick Google search. And uh, it's funny, actually, one of the astrologers mentioned here in this article uh, we've met before, but it says that um, apparently there was a study where they had 500 redheads and they studied their uh, astrological charts. And they actually found a correlation between uh, the Ascension of Mars in their astrology charts that almost 30% of redheads had this sort of thing going on there. So there might actually be an astrological connection with redheads and Mars.
0: Wow. Just
5: throwing that out there. That's super (laughs) cool. That
1: is so super cool. Can you imagine what kind of big data astrology knowledge that, you know, people who have the keys to some of these data collection things have, have uh, acquired at this point.
5: Right. It's I mean crazy. that right. That right there opens a whole, a whole Pandora's box of, uh, of vindication for astrology. You know, there's so much to it. I love that little much to
1: it. it. Like when we were at a breakfast, or maybe maybe this was the Monday night when Kyle was hanging out with Kyle and his family were hanging out with me and Jenny. He astutely guessed her sun sign as Gemini.
0: Yeah, I heard that.
1: <laughs> it's pretty amazing nice so there must be
0: something to it if you can discern like that right yep yeah just um, yeah fire the fiery people right mhm
5: so speaking of mo- moving from uncomfortable positions <laughs> getting things uh moving around uh you guys might remember this there's a comedian who's a redhead and he's got a song I forget his name, I forget the song, but I only remember this one line because it's such a good line. He says in his song, it's a song about gingers. And he says, much like only a ninja can kill another ninja, only a ginger can call another ginger a ginger. (laughs) But I think it, I think, I think that a lot of people are kind of over that. Like, I don't think redheads are, you know, all that hurt about being called gingers. So maybe some are. Uh, I, you know, I got red in my beard, so I can make that joke. <laughs> but I will point out in a very, you know, it is a universal uh, food. You know, it's like, it's in all, it's in the Mediterranean, it's in the African, it's in the Asian, all all cultures love ginger. It's so medicinal and so wonderful. And the last last awesome ginger that I have uh, was from our friend Martin when he gave us the candied ginger in the turpentine. That was such high-grade, high-grade medicine. And his name's Martin. So there's a sink right there. Uh, And then one last thing while we're, uh, you know, leave it to me to bring the uncomfortable stuff to the surface. but the most racist anagram in the whole world is in the word ginger. And I'm just going to leave that there. (laughs) I'm not even going to solve that puzzle. I'm just going to leave it floating. Such a bad anagram. So bad. So, so bad.
1: How dare you? Mm. Naughty anagram. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for going there. Now we all know (laughs) you just making us think it. Now
5: we're all racist. Yep. Sorry. um, The most the most uh, the most infectious thing on Earth is an idea.
1: (laughs) All right. So we got one more slide. But before we do that one, I think I want to throw out there the uh, the one that I think corresponds to this time of year. And that would be and of course, it's an adaptogen. So I'm sure it corresponds to other parts of the Zodiac. Right. A lot of these do, which is fun. But this is Cordyceps mushroom. So, there's a, 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 a few reasons why I think this fits. First of all, it is used to like you know it's invigorating, energizing, see that pep. It's a key ingredient in my favorite tincture, Kapow. Yeah, I just I ordered some more Kapow while we were on the stream just now.
5: <laughs> <laughs> like, did you finish some? I saw you hitting something earlier. <laughs> I think I was hitting the uh,
1: I was hitting the gladder bladder. You know, to just help tighten that up a little bit in case, you know, we're going a little long. It's over two hours. Just help, help, help me out before I need it. (laughs) I got, I got a lot of Tippecanoe pictures, guys. Go get it. Tippecanoeherbs.com, interverse code, 10% off. But anyway, quarter steps, it gives you a lot of that pep. Uh, Athletes love it because it helps you, uh, you know, go faster, harder, stronger, longer, all of that. And an Aries correlation would be that it was the lore about it is that it was discovered by its properties were discovered by shepherds noticing that when their goats ate it, they got crazier. (laughs) So there's your goat, your ram. You look at this mushroom. It has a very it's very reminiscent of like a wand. You know, fire symbolism looks like a wand. And. Then the maybe interesting, most interesting part about it is the whole, maybe someone else can elucidate more about the, the way that cordyceps mushroom grows, but correct me if I'm mistaken, but doesn't it grow out of an insect's head? It grows out of something's head, yeah. right? So yeah, Aries it's, is the uh,
2: head. It grow, it's, it's cordyceps militaris. That's the name. <laughs> this is Aries AF. Yeah. Militaris. Wow. So is it Militaris because it comes from a, the, the species name usually indicates sometimes when it's like that, it indicates the name of the genus of something else that it's like. And I think it's because it's the military caterpillar or some, I think it's the, um it's a caterpillar that it grows out of, but I think it's a, I think it's a caterpillar that's got a name, a military caterpillar. And um, so there's also the, there's the military, but there's also a fertility aspect to it as well um, The in the, the, the young stage of the year. Right. It's not so so undeveloped and stupid. All you're thinking about is I am, you know, I am hungry. I'm a caterpillar and uh, completely unaware of um, anything else besides your connection with your creator. And uh, <laughs> that's the 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 Aries thing. And so, yeah, a um, a fungus comes and gets inside of the caterpillar, and um, it's I there's some uh, I, I learned this from James Frosch, family fungi, one of my best friends. He uh, James. Had, he had been talking about this on an episode of Crow, so I would recommend going to find uh that episode of crow triple seven where he goes in depth on this one but and covers a lot of the adaptogenic benefits of it too including how it can help with your uh re- repopulating the microbiome as well but the but is it is it like zombie like too i can't remember but it definitely does grow out of a, uh, a a caterpillar's head at least in nature and then they are able to cultivate it as a uh, uh, mycelium and spore, or something like that, and uh, so James has works with, has worked with this plant, or at least has had like some cultures of it, and um, but yeah, that's pretty cool. And the,
1: yeah, on the left. it
2: actually looks it. like fire.
3: That's what I was thinking of when you pulled this up was the when it's fresh like that. And sinensis
2: means Chinese, um, typically too. So, um. But yeah, that's a great, that's a great one. Um, again, adaptogenic, but sure. I mean, why not? That that's, uh, the, you know, it's going to keep you going. It does have that yang kind of quality to it where it's like, uh, I got to power through, but not, but, uh, please help me in my, in my proneness to burning out. Um, it's not like the cortis or sorry, it's not like a cayenne, which is going to encourage that burnout, which is something that you might um, Used strategically in the case of like acute inflammation, this is something that you're going to use to maybe prevent that uh, tendency for the areas uh in us or the the strong areas in the natal chart to burn out by doing too much and by having that those those adaptogenic qualities that feed all systems what 's an adaptogen? It's, it's a specific type of uh, it's a specific name for a, medici- a medicinal herb or mushroom in this case that feeds all systems of the body let's say uh hormonal immune you know immune digestion without depleting any so there's herbs like cayenne which will improve certain systems but deplete others whereas this one just kind of brings them all up um and the the detriment of uh certain adaptogenic herbs are that it's kind of like credit in a way here we back at i'll use tax day as a metaphor what happens for a lot of people on tax day they get this like surplus they're like oh sweet well yeah i got bills and i got all this debt but i want that guitar (laughs) and so you know just split spend spend it and then they're back to uh without without uh generating that surplus into um more whether whether it's mental emotional spiritual physical capital of your health um and so that's the that's the ugly side of adaptogens is that they give our body this surplus. And so we have to be, we have to be smart and we have to be responsible, uh, when we're learning about plants that are and, and mushrooms also that, that are so beneficial to our body that, uh, we could take on more and more stressors, but also, um, you know, cultivate the responsibility of those, of handling that pressure as well. So that's my, that's my little, um, disclaimer with uh, amazing plants and mushrooms that are, that help with all systems of the body.
5: So I found a fun anagram. It's not perfect. But let's see. Yeah, it's still there. Is Uh, it racist? not this one. No, not this time. (laughs) Can you find
1: any racist ones? I'd
5: like to to know. Only the obvious one. Uh, No, yeah. Cordyceps martis uh, militaris. uh, Phonetically is
0: Sour Stick Caterpillar. Uh, is there anything sour to the flavor of it? Mm. Is it sour?
2: Sour is a, is a cooling flavor to me, and I would say that this is a very, uh, it does have a, a, a cooling effect on the body in, in a way. Mm. Mm. Yes,
5: yeah, Sour Stick Caterpillar is a anagram out of Cordyceps Militaris. That's oh. fun.
4: Yeah, so interesting uh, militaries Aries right and then it made me think of military force four within force and then even like fortress four and then the emperor number four so uh, more four symbolism there good stuff dude uh, great fine chance I love that one
3: yeah great addition big time thanks
4: now I feel like a special boy <laughs>
3: <laughs> well you already are special so you should feel special here we have spilanthes. This is uh, also God, it's
1: just an incredible looking.
3: Isn't it amazing? Wow. I freaking love this plant. Um, and I just, you know, was introduced to it a couple of years ago when uh, we started growing it here. And a lot of people know it as the toothache plant. And if you look at these flowers, they look like a tooth you know, in in a way as well. And so there's a great signature right there. Um, Some of the nicknames up on the screen, electric daisy, buzz buttons. And so one of the reasons why I first thought of this as a great Aries plant is because from personal experience of just eating the leaf. So this is a great um, plant to kind of, if you wanted to I don't know, just show somebody the power of plants, take them into your garden where you're growing spalanthes and have them eat a leaf or eat one of these flowers. The first time I did that, I honestly it brought me to my knees. I mean, I sat down because I was just like, whoa, I mean, talk about a buzz to the head. It really sends it right to the dome. Um, and so that was another kids aren't
1: doing this after school.
3: <laughs> no, but they should be. <laughs> they should be just to kind of, you know, it really, it it, it it totally just took my breath away in one of the coolest ways ever. So I have really fond memories with Spilanthes, um because of that. Um, but, you know, all parts of this plant are medicinal. So you can use the root, you can use the flower, you can use the combination of the stem with the flower and the leaves. Um, great for the immune system. And um, it has a really really um, strong numbing effect to it, which is one of the reasons why it's called toothache plant, because it's famously used to help with toothaches, but it also is not only going to take the pain away, but it can actually help to um, start fighting off an infection if there's like an abscess of the tooth or whatever, you know, um, this has the dual action of bringing relief, but also um, bringing healthy blood to any area where there may be decay or an injury or something like that. Um, This is just a wonderful plant for that. So it pairs really well with Echinacea because Echinacea and Spelanthes have the same uh, constituent of the Spelanthanol in there. And that is actually that numbing, tingling sensation you get and so anyone who's familiar with Echinacea, if you chew on the root um, of Echinacea, it will also give you that not as intense as the spilanthes but you'll you could get that tingly numb feeling. So um, the uh, yeah, Echinacea and spilanthes are a wonderful pair. Um, you can make a mouth rinse with this or you could tincture it and then put it into like a homemade mouth rinse, preferably maybe like a salt rinse, add some spalanthes tincture and the spalanthes will really penetrate the gums really well and very deeply um, to get to any kind of infection. One of the cool things that I learned about this plant as I was looking into, um, in, into it a little bit deeper is that... Um, Now it's kind of like a brand new thing in the cosmetic um, uh, industry because, because they find that it can actually help to reduce wrinkles. And one of the reasons why it reduces the wrinkles is because it's a muscle relaxer. And so... Um, it helps to reduce the micro contractions that might happen in someone's face that can that can create wrinkles you know if you have a furrowed brow or which is something that i've i've had to i find myself so you get like lines right up here you know or you know sometimes we get wrinkles you know you get wrinkles for more reasons than just micro contractions though and i know Kyle knows all about this but you can read the body you know your wrinkles every line on your face that shows up it means something so there's also I, I use caution with the anti-aging kind of stuff because, you know, it's a natural process that we that we our bodies change and they, they, you know, they morph and um, things happen, you know, so you get wrinkles as you get older, but the wrinkles can indicate things too. So it can be, it can point to something that might be, um, you know, cu- popping up in your body and other places that you didn't know about, but a wrinkle can indicate a lot of things. And that could be a whole episode. Actually, I would love to go into that kind of stuff a little bit more. Margie Flint is a great woman to look into if you're interested in um, reading the body and how to do that better. She's a really good one. Matthew, would too, um, but anyway, that's another uh, side tangent. But um, yeah, I just love spilanthes. So love to hear what everybody else has to say about it.
2: Thanks for uh, adding this one because this is not a, a super popular herbal remedy, and I was really happy that you added this one. And so I, I want to give. I also want to give chance props for that previous one too, and and um, just learning about these plants, just like, you know, when you spend time with plants, they start to signal all of these things to us and we can start to find these patterns. And it's fun. It's really fun to figure out where, where else we know these patterns and to start to compile um, little, you know, chinking in our, in our uh, armor of, of our worldview. And, And so this one is a, is a not, you know, it's not like a plant that you find a lot in commerce. But it's definitely a dare plant. It's a really cool dare plant because um, I've also done this before, where I just take a a whole. I'm like, oh, I love you know. I'll pick up things off the ground, put them in my mouth. That's what I do. That's how I interact with a lot of stuff. Um, That's how I lick rocks. That's how. And so I'm like, oh, ain't no plant too strong for me. And I'll and I've done this before because I've grown this plant, and I'll take it and I'll and they say, oh yeah, it numbs your mouth. It's pretty intense. Yeah yeah yeah. Okay whatever and uh put it in my mouth and it is so freaking intense of like the intensity is like stimulation it's not spicy it's not cooling it's like stimulating it's so and it makes it makes you uh salivate a lot it makes in in this case it made my throat kind of feel like it was closing up not it wasn't closing up it was just so stimulated that Like if you, if you're, um, if you take, if you put magnesium on your skin, it feels tingly. And that one of the reasons why is because it's stimulating your skin. The same thing was stimulating the inside of my throat. And I thought that I I was like, (sighs) it was the same thing. I dropped to my knees and it would be the kind of, uh, plants that like you know, you would say to your buddy after, after doing something like that, like, Okay, your turn. (laughs) Okay, you tried. And, uh, you know, if you're especially in high school, you're like, okay, well, I look like it sucked, but I'll do it too. Um, And the fun fun signature of there's the. um, Okay, so here's the other thing the other thing about all of these herbs in this presentation tonight is that they all have a way of stimulating. Uh, in in one way or another, whether they stimulate because they're spicy, whether they stimulate because of the the nourishment that they provide, whether they have like um, a, 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 a mucus forming, this one too. And so this is the medicine of the Aries, which is, um, again, with the wrinkles and stuff like that, we're talking about holding on to tension in certain patterns and allowing that, uh, that like there's there's ways of relaxing by just being gentle this is more of the Taurus way oh let me just like rub your shoulders and then there's the aries way which is like like open it up like open up the gates now and like get out there and uh so, so it like that's that's the kind of medicine of this where it just like takes away tension by by stimulation as opposed to relaxation and um and it's really effective for a lot of things and of course it's ineffective for a lot of things too because sometimes the body doesn't like to be stimulated so much sometimes it likes to be relaxed sometimes it it's resistant to so much force you know um so that's that's why this plant is really great for um things like toothaches, like michelle mentioned because those are things that can be really 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 debilitating to just function in general it's hard to sleep it's hard to talk it's hard to think it's hard to eat it's hard to do something with a toothache um so how could it how could it help well, it can help by numbing and how can it help also by stimulating that movement of all of that activity to come to the surface and get out. So that's how it makes sense to me is even the signature there of like the fistula or that uh, abscess coming towards the surface, coming toward making it coming to a head. Uh, think of like if you ever had like a zit or something that's under. I call it like an underground zit, underground pimple. It's, like <laughs> it's, not, it's not coming to a head. You just want to pop it, but it just won't come out. These are all... Yeah these are all the types of medicines that we would we would call on for drawing that heat back out. DMSO is another one for that too. And as a result as a result then you have the the relaxation. Then you have the the ah that tension's gone because the the fire burnt out quickly and that's why I think of this one as a really good muscle relaxer too because of how stimulated it is. And it's fun. It's a fun plant. And they look cool. They're fun. Uh, The electric Daisy. I love that name. Um, Who who wrote that in the comment? But that was really cool.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it does look fun. There's a weird appeal to this one. Um, I like want to eat it it looks like it's supposed to be candy or something. Uh, the buzz button name kind of lends to that. I feel like uh, it looks like you would feel funny if you ate it. It does. <laughs> right. It kind of reminds me of something that you would see like in, um, I don't know, like Willy Wonka's factory or something like that. But there's it's something about it. It's one of those things it. that when I would see it on a walk, I would go, that's some Dr. Seuss shit right there. Exactly, dude. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I
5: was just going to say, I bet if an elephant listened close enough, he could hear who. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's a better comparison. Dr. Seuss like for sure.
3: Yeah, the, all great points. I love this one. I, I, I was so excited to talk about Spelanthes <laughs> because, yeah, a lot of people don't talk about it and it's actually kind of hard to find information on it. And so the best way to learn is to, uh, you know, maybe find some Spelanthes plants and grow them in your area. And a good a good um, thing to keep in mind with Spelanthes, if you live in like a colder area, um, even in here, so like from if you're into gardening zones and understanding uh, your garden zones, like in zone. Zones two through nine, this usually grows as an annual um, because this is native to India and I believe South America, if I remember right, but warmer regions, just again, going along with this Aryan theme of a lot of these plants growing in r- warmer regions. So, but if you are in zones like, 10 through 12, this, will this can be an annual, so you can grow it in a warmer region and it will come back every single year for you. Um, so yeah, anyway, just a little tidbit for, um, the growers out there who are wanting to maybe experiment with spolanthes. I highly recommend growing it and it's a, it grows pretty, it's like low to the ground, you know, it doesn't take up a lot of room really. Um, so anyway. Go for it and experiment and eat some, <laughs> and just have that firsthand experience because it is really fun and, and very very interesting.
2: I I want to mention too that this is a this is a daisy without its petals. You
3: know? Ah, yeah, good so it's point. A, it's a it's
2: a compound. Uh, uh, um, what's it called? Asteraceae. Mm-hmm. So just like a daisy, just like a sunflower, just like a um, dandelion where all of the inner flowers are flowers, just to make the, the Fibonacci spiral. But it lacks the little uh, delicateness around, it lacks the, the, the frill, it lacks the, it's all thrill. There's no frill. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's awesome. That's such a great point. One of the other signature things that I wanted to remember uh, to say is that the leaves are, they're known as like toothed leaves. So this one you can kind of see, but the leaves are a little bit, um, uh, brown on the edges, but it, it kind of has like more of a toothed, um, Uh, look to it you can kind of see it in one of the leaves in the front there but that was another signature that i noticed too with uh the tooth you know it's just showing you it's uh hey i have a toothed leaves i'm good for the tooth um you know whatever so anyway it's another one to throw in the bucket there
5: so my my anagram for spilanthes is tells pain
0: (laughs) nice
1: (laughs) you know another aspirate sound that can sometimes be just like left off or is barely said by other peoples would be the S at the beginning Uh, anyway so just thinking about it without that you have Pila makes me think of this pillar action here you know coming to a
0: head at the top very cool
4: yep I thought the same thing yeah exactly Very cool. Well, that's our, that I think that'll do it guys.
1: I think we ought to, we ought to be good to move towards a wrap up here. I know that it's a full moon. So Michelle has some particularly potent offerings, I think to share with us this time of year. Can you help uh, us recall how we might be able to connect with the resource that is Michelle's ceiling home?
3: Yeah, thank you, my friend. Yes, full moon offering issue 31 came out today. So, uh, I've got some, uh, beautiful red clay and shea soaps for everybody. And, uh, I also have my, uh, comfrey nettle and pine shampoo bar that I am just, I love soap. I love soap so much. I love to make soap and I, You know, I've had a weave with soap for years. And so it just feels really good to be honing it in enough where I'm like confident enough to be sharing these soaps uh, with people now. uh, Because for a while I was just making it for us, you know, and it was kind of like I was experimenting and learning and uh, soap is just so great and lovely. And everyone You
1: sent me some soap. I really enjoyed it.
3: Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I sent you the salt soap, which, um, I love making salt soap. Uh, I love all soaps, but anyway. So, soap, 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 soap. So if you want some soap, <laughs> you can get a hold of me, um, uh, Michelle's Healing Home, dot uh, com or Michelle's Healing Home at gmail dot com if you want to order. Um, and you can also sign up for the newsletter if you like. Um, and then you'll get monthly, um, newsletters and product updates, uh, on every full moon. And then if you sign up for Patreon, uh, all patrons, um, get to, uh, I I announce my offering a couple days before everybody else. And then you can get an opportunity to maybe purchase it or be on a wait list because I do such small batches that sometimes it goes pretty quickly. And yeah, I've already been sending some, uh, I've already got some orders coming through, which is awesome. Very grateful for all the people I've been ordering and, uh, Yeah. So, um, I also have, uh, the episode that I recorded with, uh, Lanny of Greener Postures was just released today or yesterday, I think. And we talked about, um, how to create an herbal garden. And if you're wanting to learn more about how you can incorporate herbs into your garden, uh, herbs that can, uh, just beautify the garden, uh, and how to kind of, um, hone in on your family's needs and how you can build your own home apothecary by, incorporating some of these herbs into your garden. So you can check that out too.
1: I love and, it. I love it. People can and as find always, thank you all. In the show notes, as well as the links to these uh, fine gentlemen here on the screen. Anybody got any thoughts burning a hole in their pocket? Chad's about to fall to their death. Anything?
2: I just want to express my gratitude as well. I just love doing this. I love hanging out with y'all um, and, uh, really enjoy the culmination of, uh, all of these thoughts that lead up to these herb walks. They're really fun to just, um, and I really invite all of our our, our viewers and those in the chat to start to participate now that it's the growing season, like really, you know, see if you can, um, find out some of these cool signatures that we're doing and bring them, do some show and tell, bring them to the, uh, the vibrant call in line. And, uh, it would be really fun to to have this expand this a little bit more. Um, and you know, just besides, you know, Michelle, I, Mario and Gabe and chances thoughts and, and really see how far, uh, these lessons can go, you know, and, um, it's just, it's really fun. I'm having a lot of fun doing this. And I love y'all y'all very much. And thank you all for listening too. So thank you.
4: Beautiful, beautiful. I echo the same sentiments. I have a great time doing this. Uh, it's rad just to, uh, continue this whole entire series. I love the fact that even though I'm not so much of a, uh, plant or herbal person, I feel like I'm just making all of these connections and I have something to contribute as it relates to astrology and stuff like that. So it's really, really cool. Just the weaves that we have going on here. Um, and so anyways, so thank you chance for hosting this once again, it was a good time. And, um, I guess for me just personally, real quick, I just want to say that, um, I'm just I'm I'm feeling a stronger connection with the plants. I think this is helping for sure. But it's just really interesting once you get to know some of these plants and herbs. And uh, for me right now, it's like the trees and the lichens and like usnia and things that we have around us. It sometimes takes a little while just to kind of like refine your eye or, you know, to develop a relationship with these plants or herbs or whatever, but once you do, it becomes pretty obvious that all of these plants are teachers, you know, and they're all very wise and they have their own wisdom, you know, that you can tap into and everything else. So it's just cool um, to be able to get to know some of these plants and have a better relationship. uh, Thanks to you all. So, yeah, it was a pleasure and uh, I look forward to it next month with Taurus. That's going to be a good one.
5: Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, uh, Kyle, how long are you down in Indianapolis
2: for? (laughs) Uh, uh, I'm going to stay here tonight and I'm going to make my way up tomorrow. So, and I don't really have plans. So you want to, yeah, I'll, I'll hit you up. Okay, man. Yeah. We got to, we have to link up, bring, bring the tribe together. Yeah, I'm on a road trip right now. I saw a chance. Maybe, maybe I'll make a, a diversion as uh, next thing I know I'm in the West coast. Seeing Michelle and Mario
3: Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> I,
2: was, I was telling my wife that I was like, we got to travel more. This is, this is nice. It's really nice to just get out and, um, you know, see people in real life that you know we're making all these fun connections, and it's just cool to to uh, tend to these gardens as we go. So, yeah, man, it's the season for activation. That's what's yeah. up.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, definitely. We can talk yeah. about it off screen, but Mario and I will will be in Milwaukee in June. Just throwing it out there. So, oh. love to meet up and whatever you know, however we can do that. Um, anyway, just throwing it out there. You know, you
0: know we will. <laughs> all right yeah oh don't mind me i'm
1: just googling how long of a drive is that from here (laughs) (laughs)
3: nice Uh, it's
1: pretty it's doable in a day oh man oh geez i'd love to meet up with mario and michelle if you were closer to me by being in milwaukee okay we'll talk (laughs) good night everybody thanks for tuning in you know let us let us know in the telegram chats what you think might be other Aries doctrine of signature plants that, you know, this is far from a exhaustive list, but it is a really good start to get you thinking in this way. And man, each and every one of the things we talked about was fascinating. I'm with Mario. I feel like I'm learning so much, really blessed to be able to hang out here with the, with the wonderful folks. So good night, everyone have a wonderful rest of Aries season and we'll see you on Sunday for, uh Interverse. We're gonna be talking. I've already got it recorded. It's a premiere, but we've got an excellent conversation with Isabel Friend about the magic of more water magic talk. Mm. <laughs> water is the ultimate mystery, I think, maybe of all mysteries. So look forward to that. It's gonna be a really
0: good premiere. See you on Sunday. And good night.
3: Nighty night.
0: <laughs>